Hey, welcome to the 206th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter and help out so much, so easily, so little, anything helps, by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently talking about... Uh, Vision Quest storyline from 1989, uh, 1989 story arc from John Burns, West Coast Avengers. So Vision was taken, dismantled, his skin was bleached for some reason, doesn't know who he is and, and so forth. So a lot of similarities, a lot of inspiration, I would say, for Vision or for WandaVision and so forth. And it's just, it's great to go back and revisit these classic stories. And sometimes I talk about a weird and cool movies or bad movies. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out a lot by going to coffee.com and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. And that is ko-fi.com slash gman for Mac. All right, this week. So I, w- I was a little concerned with this week, as, as, as always. I'm like, what am I going to talk about? Because there's still no CW shows. So this um, coming week, I believe they're all back. I think I think Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Flash, Superman, and Lois are back. And um, also, I'm pretty sure Stargirl is also coming back. So we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. So this week I'm like, there's no no CW shows, but there is a Transformers uh, Kingdom War for Cybertron, the third story arc. I was a little unsure about that, uh, about watching it because it had deals with Beast Wars and and Maximals and whatever, and I was like, I never got into the Beast Wars stuff. I think I mentioned that last week, but I, I actually, it, I, I didn't mind. I, I did enjoy it the more I got into it. First episode, I'm like, okay, and then second episode, but then I, I was really kind of kind of getting into it. So you can hear about that. So that's going to fill in, in time as I go through, you know, episode by episode, kind of, you know, just recapping everything. There's also Star Wars The Bad Batch. So we have two episodes left. So this past week and then this coming week and then the, the season finale. We'll talk more about that in just a second. Um, then I'm gonna I'm gonna talk. Uh, I'm a little hesitant. I I'm not sure if I'm gonna talk about Val this week. The Val Kilmer documentary. I might. There's also um, this other movie that I may talk about this week or next week called Major Grom Plague Doctor. Maybe I'll talk about it this week. Um, it's a Russian movie, and uh, there's I got it. Go see that actually. But there's a YouTube thing you got to watch first. I'll talk more about that later, probably. And uh, the movie feature, um, along with comics and, and Brick and Morty and news, the movie feature is The Suicide Squad. So we got a lot to talk about. But the, the first uh, just bit of news, um, talking about Star Wars The Bad Batch, it has been renewed for a second season. And uh, I think that's that's new news. I don't think that was like an automatic given. But I've been enjoying it. I, I was surprised because when they appeared, the, the story arc on the Clone Wars. I was, I was like, okay, these guys are kind of cool and everything like that. But then when, when I heard they're getting their own series, I'm like, really? I was like, okay, um, we'll, we'll see how that, how that goes. But I, but I am enjoying that. And even Omega, who I'm not super crazy about, I, I'm I'm coming around and you know appreciating her as as well. And you know they're doing a good job showing the importance of her you know on certain missions and, and stuff like that. So we have that to look forward to. I don't know when you know how long it's going to take and. 
you know, because obviously they had need to write everything and then they need to <laughs> go on location and film everything. Right. You know, I don't know what the process is for animating all that, but but that that's good to know. Um, it's going to be weird after this coming week. We're not going to have anything Star Wars for a while because it, it seems like Disney Plus is trying to keep things going like. I mean, we don't have anything Marvel now, but oh, I think a What If start starts up this this coming week too. So it, with um, with the Marvel content, it's almost like we're gonna go What If. I'm still wondering if we're gonna get. Uh, there's no word on Ms. Marvel. Are we gonna get Ms. Marvel in between What If and Hawkeye? Because Hawkeye is gonna take us into I think maybe like 2022. So and I I don't see them doing Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel. You know, showing these live action. Marvel shows on Disney Plus at the same time, so we'll see. But uh, there's there's a lot lot to look forward to. So I'm glad that the Bad Batch is coming back. So we have that to look forward to. A uh, trailer came out. I'm really really excited for this for Why the Last Man. So we we had this the teaser trailer a few weeks ago, and uh, the first trailer it looks good. I forget who's playing Yorick, uh, the the titular character. Uh, when I, I saw him in there. He's not quite as I pictured him, you know, because it, it looks like, unless I'm totally mistaken, looks like he's got long hair. But I guess depending on when that scene picks up, you know, is it, are we starting right when the, whatever the incident, I mean, they got to show it unless they're going to do it in like flashbacks. But it seems like he should have shorter hair. But if it's some, t- a little bit of time has passed, then obviously his hair is going to grow and it's not like he's going to go to the barber and you're worrying about it. So if you haven't read Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrero, right? Uh, Why the Last Man, 60-issue arc, amazing story. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some like new printings coming out if, if, if it's it's probably still in print. This is a this is a, a series that I came onto late. Uh, I, I feel silly for that, but then the lucky for me, I was able to get the the trade paperbacks and and just like devour devour them. And it's 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 so good. So I'm I'm so excited for for, for this. And it's good. It's a, so it's an FX show. So it's going to be on Hulu, which is great since you know they're both owned by by Disney now. And uh, I have to say, because you know there, there's this, I feel like this has been in, in talks and motion, and you know for for a while they've been talking about it because it wasn't like Shia LaBeouf. La, La, I always say that's how I say it. Wasn't he attached at some point <laughs> to be in it? And at the time, I was like, yeah, you know, he could maybe he could he could do it. Uh, and uh, I think they were also talking about making it like a movie. And I was like, uh, I was like, how are you going to do a sixty issue book into a movie? Even if you do it as a trilogy, it's like you're going to be cutting out so much and I was I was so concerned and my my word back then was like just make it into like an HBO series you know just do this like long form season so we can you know so it's going to be on on FX and, and Hulu so uh, that that's good I just wonder how many episodes will be in a season and how much how many books will it or how many issues will it cover because uh, it, it seems now it's almost like the standard for shows are like 10 episodes per season Whereas back in the day, remember when we used to get like 24 episodes in a season? It's like, that doesn't really, really happen anymore. But for better or worse, I, I mean, I guess like some of the CW shows have, have been closer to the 20 episodes still. Not not currently with the, the pandemic and everything like that. But hopefully, Why the Last Man will be enough or... Because, you know, that, that you have to worry about how long is it going to take them to, to 
tell 60 issues and yeah there, you know there's some stuff that they can trim down and, and you know rework and, and, and stuff like that but uh, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that so we have that to look forward to that's oh, starting up in September there was also a trailer for Venom Let There Be Carnage and have I mentioned I don't like Carnage I really can't stand Carnage I'm sure you know I, I think Woody Harrelson's a great actor and I'm, I'm you know what you see in a trailer you know he's he's gonna have fun with it you know he's gonna go all out and I'm sure it, it's gonna be you know great and fun and and tom hardy is a phenomenal actor as well and but it just the movie just seems it seems so weird but i i think they're embracing that they're really going all out so i don't know how i feel i mean yeah obviously i'm going to absolutely watch it but i we'll, we'll see how, how it goes but it just it looks looks pretty pretty wonky in this latest trailer i won't spoil it in case you're you know you avoid trailers but we see finally how Cletus Cassidy turns into, or how he becomes Carnage, how, how that, that happens. Because with the, the first trailer, I was like, is what they're showing there, does that have anything to do with it? But it turns out that, that I don't think that has anything to do with it. We see something else happen in his trailer. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then it's also like, that's all it took? So if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Speaking of, of trailers or teasers... There is also a super short teaser for Stranger Things 4. So that is now happening in 2022. And I th- I'm trying to remember originally, was it supposed to be out this year? And then maybe, you know, things just got pushed back as a production and all this stuff. And, you know, we, we got to be understandable. And, you know, I always say I'd rather have something be delayed than have it like rushed out and just, you know, be compromised or just be crap. You know, so it's like, take the time if, if it gets, and I, I know, you know, the studios with, you know, since it's a business, you, you can't have delays or anything like that because that really messes everything up. But as, as far as like a fan watching something, you know, I'd, I'd rather them take a little, you know, take the time you need and, you know, don't, don't skimp on any corners, don't compromise anything just to, to reach that certain date. And, you know, if we have to wait a little bit longer, like a, you know, a couple months or a few months or whatever, that it happens. I mean... Uh, Warner Brothers home video released some news. I'm really curious. At first, I'm like, what? And then I was like, hmm, there's going to be a Night of the Animated Dead movie coming out. So I, I posted about that on entertainmentfish.com. So you can you can check out all of the details, like voice casting and all that. And you know, it's it's George George A. Romero's story. And there's also mentioned like some scenes in the animated that weren't in the movie. So I'm really curious what that means. Does that means does that means does that mean stuff from like the original script that just was cut or just wasn't able to be filmed or just logistically just you know didn't make sense for the time and you know to try to make that happen so i'm really curious to see what it's going to be because i'm i'm hoping it's not just like a straight animated adaptation because then it's like you know it's, it would be like what's the point but i hopefully they're going to be able to add something to it to make it true to the original but also you know, kind of unique in, in, in its, its own way. So well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, Lego, there's going to be another Lego Star Wars coming out this October. Uh, Star Wars Terrifying Tales. So it's just it's like you, you see that there's like a, a 
fist with a lightsaber busting out of the, like the dirt, like a grave. It's like, this is a Lego? Because the Lego, the Lego Star Wars movies, if you have not watched them, they are so wacky and they're, they're hilarious and they're just, they're, they're really something. And, uh, like the, the holiday special one, you should check that out. I, I talked about that. It was just, that was just so off the rails and, and that, that's what's, what's nice that they just really, uh, em- embrace, you know, that and just, just go crazy with it. So, you know, it, there's some, some fun to be had there. Rosario Dawson fans. So she apparently is going to be voicing Catwoman in, uh, uh, Batman: The Audio Adventures. So this is like a like a pod, scripted podcast, and I think these podcasts you can only listen to them on the HBO Max app. Because I, I know with some of the other shows, they 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 do like podcasts for certain shows and everything like that. But I I guess I never really I unfortunately haven't listened to them. But I never really thought about you know I've, I figured they'd be available everywhere, and I don't know if, if the other ones are because I think they did one for. I mean, there's probably one for like Westworld. I think Mare had one, and I remember there's something else. But I guess maybe just I mean, it makes sense if you know they have their own app and they're, they're trying to push it there. It just seems like you know, do you really want to separate it from other? But whatever. So, um, and uh, I guess John Leguizamo is also going to be playing the the Riddler. I think that was recently announced. So we'll see. I I haven't really listened. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I know I shouldn't be saying that, but this. I, I mean, I don't listen to really a lot of podcasts because of just the time and everything. And uh, I, I'm so curious with the, the scripted podcasts, how, how, how those work, because, you know, you hear about those. And, you know, I, I listened to the Sandman audio, but that was an audible thing. And, you know, that was was interesting that I, I enjoyed it. You know, it, it's like the old radio plays. And I'm sure that's you know exactly what the, what this is like. Um, I, th- I thought I saw something about this Batman that it's going to be a little more on the humor side, which, I mean, that could be interesting, but oh, I don't know. I, I need to look read it more on that. Uh, speaking of humor, not really. Uh, there's going to be a Starfleet Academy show possibly happening at Paramount+. Plus. Uh, so Alex Kurtman is developing Kurtzman. Um, that, that could work. I, I'm... I feel like we're getting like so many Star Trek shows and it, it makes sense. You know, they have this property, they have the streaming, you know, channel thing. And, uh, that's a, that's a big franchise for them. You know, so they, they have Star Trek discovery, which I still haven't watched. And I, I think my hesitation is cause you know, it seems like some, a lot of people like it. And some people I'm hearing some people aren't super crazy about it. So I'm, I'm hearing like total, like both ends, like people either love it or they don't. And I don't know if it was like the first season was great. And then the second or whatever season was not so great. And, so, you know, you have that, you have the Lower Decks animated uh, show, which I, I watched a few of those and I just thought it was okay. I, I didn't love it. Um, Picard, I, I really did enjoy. And I feel like there's another Star Trek something. Maybe I'm wrong. But then if we they do this, I just hope they don't do too much. But then again, you, you know, you could say the same thing about Star Wars. You know, if we can get all these Star Wars shows and animated, you know, why not have that many Star Trek? So I guess it, it, it's fine. And, you know, people want more Star Trek. They they should be able to get it. Ryan Reynolds, um, he said, mentioned that Deadpool 3 could maybe possibly start filming next year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he wasn't really sure. He doesn't know anything. You know, he's, he's talking about the, the, the writing and everything like that. And. At first, he's like, well, if I had to give it odds, I'd say 50-50. And then he's like, wait, what? It's August. And he's like, well, maybe 70% that it'll happen next year. And 
So that that's that's good to know. And again, in case you haven't heard, because I, I remember I, this came up recently, like someone mentioned something on Twitter. I was like, no, it's it's going to be R-rated. They said that. They made it clear this is going to be R-rated movie. You know, they're not watering it down. And this is a, the nice thing. You know, say what you will about Disney, which you know, I have something just to say about that. They they obviously understand that you know Deadpool is is its own thing. It was super successful. Whether it was because of the R, I don't think it. I still don't think it's just because of the R rating. I mean, maybe the absurdity and everything. I think you know a lot of it has to do with Ryan Reynolds and his performance and his humor, and you know maybe it's a combination of that mixed in with the the taboo humor, you know, the adult humor, or whatever. But you know, Disney probably realizes, hey, you know, this is what we what people want. This is what they expect, and you know, I'm sure they've seen a lot of people complaining about Disney owning it and. They they have to be aware that they they can't be in in a little bubble. You know I don't care how high or whatever how rich these execs are. You know they have to they have to have someone that that sees what people are saying, and they have to understand that that kind of like if you know if it ain't broke don't fix it type of thing. So hopefully it will be true. And I don't feel like Ryan Reynolds would necessarily compromise it so much. Uh, you know it's not like he needs to do it. You know he's he's a busy guy. Uh, but hopefully it'll be good. He apparently had a, a pitch that he he did with a at Disney, but they were like, no. He wanted to do jokingly, you know, I'm sure he said he wanted to do a Deadpool Bambi crossover, where basically uh, Deadpool's like interrogating the Hunter, you know, the the most vile character in a Disney whatever history. Which I don't know about that, but you know, who's this this dude? Why did he kill Bambi's mom? <laughs> So that, that could be interesting. But uh, speaking of Disney, as far as the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit, now they're saying that it's basically like a PR stunt, which I don't understand that. So um, the Disney attorney, Daniel Petroselli, he says that it's obviously that this is a highly orchestrated PR campaign to achieve an outcome that is not obtainable in a lawsuit. No amount of public pressure can change or obscure the explicit contractual commitments. The written contract is clear as a bell. So uh, this is also saying that they treat the premier access revenue like box office for the purpose of the bonus requirements in a contract. That only enhances economics for Miss Johansson. But I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's more to it than that. And I I don't think it's a, a PR stunt. You know that doesn't make sense. What would be the point of that? And it just I don't. It just seems weird because also with the premier access, you know, that is affecting the box office. You know, takes because they are not lumping that in. You know, maybe they may count it. Does that make sense? What it's just they may you know put it in there, but I don't I don't think you know you, when you look at how much it's making, it's that's not being included. They may mention it in a separate statement or something like that, but also when you you know when you look at box office rep, you know because you what you you heard the thing I saw out there saying how it had such a huge drop off from you know the first week to the second week, and you know you know a lot most movies do that but they're saying how this was like the biggest drop for all the marvel movies and so it's basically it it's making the movie look bad and i feel like with with the marvel cinematic you know whatever universe movies the the history of them you know look how it took so long 
just to get Captain Marvel, just to get a female-led movie. And it, it felt like for the longest time that they they didn't think it could happen. I remember when I went to when I was lucky enough to go to the Winter Soldier press conference. You know, back then, you know, because Scarlett Johansson was there, you know, people were asking, "When are we going to get a Black Widow movie?" and Kevin Feige, I still I don't understand his statement, and you know where he he said that to have her in her own movie would take her away from being available for the Avengers, which makes absolutely no sense. You know when when other characters like Iron Man could have his own movie, Thor could have his own movie. You know you got these other characters. You know whether Captain America would have another one. They they're having their own movies, but they're still unless that had to do with contractual obligations. Like you know, if Scarlett Johansson was only signed was you know signed up for nine movies or six, whatever, however many movies, ten movies. You know, by giving her own movie, that's one less Avengers movie she could do. I don't know if that's what they're talking about, but it didn't make sense. And if you're saying okay, we're going to start production. On a Black Widow movie, but we also want to start production on Avengers movies. She can't do both. That okay, I, I get that. Where you know she can't do the you know two at the same time, but you don't schedule them at the same time, just like with the other ones. I I feel like I don't know. It's just it's a crappy situation, and plus the fact that you know if her people reached out to Disney when they announced the premiere access stuff, and then they didn't get back to them, you know what what's up with that? And you know it's it's not like. They can lie about that, saying, "Oh, we reached out." You know, there's going to be some record, whether it was a phone call or an email or something like that, and no one got back to to them. I mean, unless they called some secretary who was on vacation, and you know, knowing that no one would get to her, you know, that that's just dumb. Then you know, that doesn't make sense. So, I don't know what the story is, and it's just unfortunate. You know, you don't want to hear this stuff, and I know you know a lot of people are you know anti-disney and corporate and but you know they, they do some good stuff as well you know if it wasn't for them we wouldn't have all these movies so i don't know hopefully things will get get figured out uh, the other thing with, with one last bit with with disney so dave batista mentioned so you know drax appeared in one of the what if trailers and he mentioned you know i, I guess someone asked him they're like how come Dave Batista's, you know, I think they on Twitter are like, how come you're not voicing Drax? And he's like, they didn't ask me. So I don't know what what what's up with that because we know Chadwick Boseman, you know, apparently um, he's in four episodes. He's voicing Black Panther in four episodes. So this is like his last performance, which is 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 going to be a little tough. So season one, I think, has nine episodes, but for some reason. You know, some people didn't weren't asked. Obviously, I thought Robert Downey Jr. was involved with him, but then I, I I thought I saw something that he wasn't doing it. I could see where there could be some reluctance, some hesitation to get like Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, you know, Chris Hemsworth. They may might be like, "Hey, you want me to do this? You're I, I want a lot of money," and you know, not not saying that voice actors shouldn't be paid or anything, but I'm sure there, there's a difference. You know, you're not going to pay you know robert downey jr like whatever he made in avengers endgame to voice you know and do a voiceover for an animated show especially if it's just a 20 minute episode and you know he's not like in the entire 20 minutes i don't know i mean so i i assume that there's some reason for that maybe they're like well what's our budget and you know we we can't i don't know 
but you know he said he wasn't asking. So it it seemed like they would should at least say, hey, you interested in doing it? And, and you know maybe he's like, yeah, I want this much money. And they're like, yeah, okay, thanks, but we'll get back to you. And then they don't. I don't know. So we'll have to see. Um, that I mean, I don't think he's done anything to, to piss them off, but um, he's upset because he he wants a, a Drax and Mantis uh, show. And you know he he was I think he was upset that they didn't want to do that, but you know you got to look at it. Is there a demand for it? You know, do would I mean I'm sure people would be like, yeah, I totally would want to watch that. I don't know how much of an appeal, you know. I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong with that, but well, I don't know. Um, as far as the show, also, you know, they they mentioned continuity. They're, they're saying it's no coincidence that what if is starting up after Loki. You know, with now that we have variants and multiverse and everything like that, and you know, I, I think I mentioned last week that there was a talk that it's possible some of the stories from What If could expand to like a live action thing. I mean, I mean, I would love to see like you know Haley Atwell return as you know live action Captain America. You know, that, that could be cool to see. So I don't know what else we could possibly do. You know, I don't know. It, and it, it's I doubt that they're going to get, hey, let's get Robert Downey Jr. back to do, you know, Iron Man in this whatever series. You know, they, they could try to do it. But with that, uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. So what if, like I said, I think it, it starts up this week. And that is going to be the news for this week. Okay, with comic books at Image, we had Geiger number five. So this um, is continuing the story, and now we're starting to get to the point where it's it's getting a little hard for me to describe if you haven't been reading. So you know, with with Geiger, we we've seen a story about him and like you know with his family and in, in the bunker and before the fallout and him gaining his ability and all that. He's rescued these two kids who are uh, escaping. Las Vegas, and they have uh, football, you know, with the, the nuclear launch codes. There is these, like, weird cannibal people that were after them, and um, Geiger helped fight them off. But then these soldiers grabbed them. And at first, I'm like, okay, who are these people? You know, they, they say they're from the government. Are they really? But So it looks like they are, and uh, they're they're talking about like with the so with the the kids with the, the the girl they're like oh you know she's they show them around there's other kids there and they have like a school and and this is like really weird and and what's surprising is like some of the other kids they seem like they're really nice uh, which you know usually it's like in these situations there's always like there's gonna be the bully and everything you know it's it's always like that but that's not the case although one kid's like like oh yeah i'll see you later good luck but then he's got his fingers crossed behind his back so it's like what does that mean? Does he know that there's some dark and sinister there or is he just being nice? And then he's going to be like a big jerk later. Uh, but then also with the, the little, the boy, there's something going on with him. That's not good for him. Uh, and then we'll have to see what happens. And then Geiger, he, uh, he's being held captive, but he, he kind of busts out. They're not out of the facility yet. So we'll have to see him uh, and his two-headed dog. So we'll have to see. So I'm, I'm enjoying this. I mean, you know, it's great story, great art. And um, I don't have no idea where, where this is going to go. And, you know, we see a little more backstory and stuff, you know, mentioned about this king dude and everything like that. So I'm enjoying that. Then there is Good Asian number four. 
So it looks apparently this is a ten issue series. I, I, maybe I wasn't aware of that. And there, there's more going on. Um, I, I'm enjoying this, but for some for some reason when when I read this issue, I wasn't as into it as as normal. And I, I know I said, I've mentioned before, but I just I just want to make it clear that sometimes my reluctance over a certain book it's it's like a personal thing. It's it's not really reflecting on the quality of the book. But for me, a lot of the times. When you know I'm trying to get through everything, and I, I again I know it's like boohoo, poor Tony, but I feel like sometimes you know trying to read all these books it, where it feels like I have to read them, it becomes more of a chore, or you know it, it becomes more you know work rather than reading them for fun. It's kind of I mean that's how it was when I was watching Transformers. I was like I gotta I have to watch all these episodes versus I can just sit back, relax, enjoy it. But it's like no, I need to watch. And pay attention, and you know, remember things, and you know, so I can talk about it and all, all that. So I, that's not. I mean, it, maybe it's a weak excuse or whatever, but that's that's sometimes how I feel when I, I start reading comics. I'm just like, I'm not. I'm kind of not really in the mood to read this, but I sometimes will read certain books ahead of others. Like, oh, I really want to read this one, but then so, most time I just kind of go in like alphabetical order, just you know, through the publishers and everything. So with a good Asian, we're still. Con- I think we're. My my problem is okay. We're four issues in, and you know, uh, there's this you know murder investigation and stuff going on, and um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm I'm kind of waiting for something, and and you know stuff is happening. You know, don't don't get me wrong, but it's it's. I do like the comic. I, I do. I I think the the writing is 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 good. I think the art is is really nice and everything. You know, I, I like this. I really dig the style. So it's it is worth checking out, and I I like how it feels like it's sort of like historical, you know, because this was such a such a different era and time, and just the way the perception you know people had with Asians in it. I mean, it's horrible, uh, but it it is kind of neat to to see that. And um, so, I, but you know, overall, I you know I am enjoying this, but for some, I just wasn't totally feeling it this week. I don't know what my problem is. And then, uh, Skybound X issue five came out. And this one, you know, I, I have to admit, I wasn't super crazy about this issue as well. I mean, there, there are certain things I like. The, the um, whatchamacallit, the Rick Grimes 2000, you know, the, and this is the last issue, I should say. I should, you know, make, make that clear. With the Rick Grimes 2000 story, you know, it, it does wrap things up. And, and uh, you know, I have to say, I feel like, this is a story that that could have gone on a little longer. Just you know, it's almost like things are wrapped up a little too quickly, too suddenly, and you know things just get really crazy and really wacky in here. But one thing that, that kind of gets me to you know they're, they're talking about people will talk about the legend of, of Rick Grimes and everything like that. It's like what, did he really make a huge difference in this overall story? Because I mean, there's a lot of other people that that you know Michonne and and uh, Andrea. You know, there's other people that that had important roles, and I don't know. Maybe it was just a return of Rick Grimes that inspired people to, to make a different. You know, I don't know. But I mean, it was it was a totally fun series, and it didn't quite end the way I thought it was. I you know, how, like I thought it would, and I I will say, you know, it. I was like, is this really? You know, is Carl having a dream or t- making up a story and you know telling his sister or what? You know, I thought it was going to be something you know like that but so it wasn't you know there's there's no like someone waking up in the shower you know alive bobby ewing if you don't know what i'm talking about so 
I, I just feel like it just wrapped up suddenly because it's like, okay, this is, you know, a five-issue story, so we, we need to, you know, wrap things up and everything. But it, it was fun, and, you know, it was it was great to see Ryan Otley. You know, his his art is, is just – it's made for Walking Dead, you know, just all that, that blood and, and gory and everything like that. Um, the other thing I really – the other one, I what I what my favorite story here – in this issue, more than uh, the, the Rick Grimes, I have to admit, is the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. I love this series. I recommend. I think there's three, two or three issues out, and it's it's just so Trigger Keaton is this really obnoxious. He was like this kind of like a martial artist, like dude, you know, actor, white dude, actor, and uh, he was just. You know, he's been in all these different TV shows and, you know, movies and stuff like that, but he's just like a major jerk. You know, so rude and just so full of himself and everything like that. He gets, he's, he's dead. It's apparent suicide, but people are wondering, was he really killed? And his, uh, so the six sidekicks is, you know, people that have worked with him over the years and everything like that, and they're kind of looking into it. So with this story here, Banana in the Tailpipe, this is actually a flashback story. And, uh, we see him on a set of sidecar the, the, where he drove this car that had like the voice of a kid. That was a sidekick, you know, whatever his personality or persona or soul or whatever. And uh, there's a, a, a chimp involved and he doesn't get along with a chimp. And so it was, I just, it was a fun story. Then there's code combat orb defense engines. So this is Robert Kirkman, and Jason, Jason Howard working together again. And for you know, so that right there is like, oh, that that should be cool. You know, they're, they're what is this new concept that they're bringing us? And I I felt like we're just kind of thrown into it, and it didn't it didn't like really appeal to me. You know, so you, they have these like mech suits sort of, and they're these orbs that kind of control it and stuff like that. But I was like, I don't know what's going on here, and and part of it is like, I don't know if I really care so much what's going on. So that that was like a a, a harder sell for me to get into that and then gasolina um this is by sean makowicz and nico walter so uh with this apparently you know reading the the editor notes what are uh you know stuff from from sean he this is apparently a narrative podcast series it's uh says currently in production at audible uh we found a good excuse to send randy and, and amalia on a new adventure to do what they do best have each other's back and kill monsters what more do you need in a world than that so it deals with these two characters maybe there this was a i'm trying to think gasolina i i'm t- totally blanking if this was another series because i didn't know who these characters were i'm i'm interested you know this was a i i kind of i did like the story and i i liked the art i just didn't know who they were and like what was kind of going on and like what's going on in this world and everything like that. So it, it seems like I, I'm just being a dope and maybe I'm, I just totally missed this comics that happens sometimes. I don't know how it does, you know, when I, I'm trying to read it as much as I can. And then there's, I, something just totally falls off my radar and it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. So that might be the case here, but if they're doing a, a, a podcast thing on audible that, I mean, that, that sounds, I'm kind of interested in that now. So that's what you got in, in this week's issue. So a lot of cool stuff. And, and you know, if, if you're into the Skybound um, comics, obviously you should be reading that. Stillwater uh, number nine came out by Chip Zdarsky and Ramon Perez. And this is this is like such a, it, it, it kind of, not that it skis me out or anything like that, but it's like such a 
weird situation or like so the people in this town it's it's almost like they're trapped so Stillwater, in case you haven't read it and don't remember me talking about it or whatever basically in the town people are immortal they can't die they can't get hurt you know you heal from whatever injuries and stuff like that but in order to keep it you know they, they can't tell anyone because if other people in the outside world you know find out they're gonna be all over that place. They're gonna be like, "What? What is going on with this town?" And it's you know, so they're just trying to avoid all that. At the same time, it's it, it also makes people a prisoner there. Like you know, there's a bunch of kids where they're talking about you know they're just kids. And what we see, if you look at the cover, there's like a baby. So it's like, how long is this? You know, the 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 baby has no awareness. You know, for the kids, you know, if a kid's like 30 years old or whatever and stuck in a, in the body of a nine year old. You know, he's developed or he's experienced, you know, he has that enough to an extent. But the baby, you know, they mentioned, you know, the brain function, you know, what has hasn't even formed. So it's like there's no telling what is going on in the baby's mind because, you know, it, it how much can it process? You know, so that that's just really, um, really harsh and, and everything like that. And uh, one of the dudes, you know, so he, some of his buddies came into town, so they're, like, trying to take over, and, you know, like, mercenaries or army, whatever people, and it's just things are getting, like, ickier and ickier, and, um, you know, just this power grab, and, you know, because people recently tried to take the power back, and it didn't quite work according to plan and everything like that, so... It's uh yeah it's it's one of, it kind of makes me uncomfortable a little bit even though you know I think that's the point of it but I I'm enjoying this this story. Unfortunately at Boom Studio Seven Secrets 11 came out. I don't know how I missed that. I haven't read that yet so I, I definitely need to read that. Um it you should be reading that if you're not. It's it's a great great series and uh you know Tom Taylor is just doing cool stuff with that so you should be reading that um at dc um i just i'm looking at at the comiXology app now and i see or suicide squad king shark number one came out um this came out august 6 i haven't read it. it's 15 page um tim seeley scott collins John, there's one one review i got someone gave it a one star out of out of five um, King Shark and Unfortunate Tagalong, the Defacer, are swept into a mystical tournament for totemic animal spirits at the behest of King Shark's father, the Guard of the Sharks. And uh, I'm trying to look at the art and the preview. Um, it looks looks it looks fine. I, I don't know what it... Uh, but looking at the cover, it's like, that is... Obviously, this is coming out because of the movie. You know, that that's why it came out. But... This doesn't look like the King Shark that we had. I mean, King Shark's Shark is so great in the movie, uh, which I'll talk more about later. So maybe it's just kind of it appears to be like a cash grab, and that's unfortunate. Um, we had Batman one eleven, so things are heating up here. You know, Batman is a uh, you know the the mayor is totally anti vigilantes, and you know he's he's a uh, um, brought in this, you know, this magistrate program. So this this dude, I keep forgetting this guy's name, where he's orchestrating things to, you know, to to get the magistrate program going, and uh, so they're going against the Unsanity Collective, which I'm not super. I feel like I kind of missed something. So this is a group of people, and they're just trying to help, you know, others out. And you know, there's a lot of people who don't have, you know, aren't. aren't to doing too well and you know it's a place for them to go place for them to live and just hang out and 
Um, this is where we had a, what was her name? Um, the new character. I'm totally for, for drawing a blank on her, but they're, they're being targeted. So Batman's trying to help them. And it's just, things are just getting like just nuts. And, uh, I don't know what's how long this mayor can be around. I mean, he's just, I, I just, I don't understand it. You know, it's, it's a whole thing where he's looking at it as vigilantes are causing all these villains to come, you know, it's like, you know, which came first type of thing, you know, the, the superhero or supervillain. And so he thinks that because these vigilantes are, you know, taking the law into their own hand, it's just creating more chaos and, and danger and stuff like that. So it's just, uh, I, I'm I'm hoping things get wrapped up soon because I, I I don't really care for this mayor dude and um, it just seems kind of ridiculous. But I mean, we need something you know to go on with the story. With a uh, Justice League sixty six, the Sinmar dude he's attacked. The Justice League has, has been attacked, and you know they're, they're trying to fight off this crazy powered alien, and um, you know they're doing what what they they can and and so forth. Um, but then there's there's also stuff going on with Checkmate with Green Arrow and Black Canary and everything like that. The unfortunate thing is, you know, we also have the Justice League Dark backup. And I don't know what it is, but there's just something about I, I'm just I can't get into the Justice League Dark. Um, I, it it feels like it should be totally up my alley and everything, but I'm just I'm just having a hard time with it. So I, I try to read through it, but I, I just I can't. And then we had uh, Crime Syndicate issue six. I just really kind of lost interest with this. Um, so one thing is like Supergirl, you know, on Earth three came. I don't. I, I maybe I missed last issue where she appeared and everything like that. And yeah, I, I just I'm kind of confused with this in a way where you know because this is Earth three, but you know there, there's some things are different. Um, and you know she's not Supergirl here. She's Ultra Girl, by the way. And just huge differences from what what we expect with the uh, the you know the crime syndicate and everything like that and and that's you know good in a way that it's not just the same thing again but it just it seems so weird that there's like just some differences and I I guess I'm just kind of confused where it feels like you know it wasn't that long ago when the crime syndicate was on the regular you know Earth Zero or whatever in you know Justice League you know Jeff Johns and Jason Fabic, I think, with the Forever Evil or whatever, and now if it's like, okay, did that never happen? Where you know, I, I don't understand this whole continuity thing and merging stories, and I, yeah, I don't really know what's going on. Um, Suicide Squad issue six. So this also is dealing with Earth three. So. Amanda Waller, she's sending people to other Earth to try to. This is is bad. <laughs> she's she's sending them. She's she's looking for recruits from other Earth. So she's basically kidnapping them in order so she can use them. And like they they kind of target Black Canary or Black Siren. I forgot what her name. What she's going by. And they're they're looking at bringing her back and. Uh, so you know, Bloodsport is is over there. You know, you know we get to see Bloodsport in the comics again. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember the last time I've ever seen him in a comic, if ever. So we have, and you know, Peacemakers in this, this series also. So things are are just going, you know, get getting messed up 
for them as they're trying to feed. Because since Bloodsport is on Earth 3, um, he runs into Ultraman, and uh, yeah, things aren't going to go too well for him. But it just, it's like that's not a good idea to, it doesn't make, I don't know. To go to another Earth and just try to kidnap someone just so you can plant a bomb in their head and use them for your own means. It's one thing where if you're taking villains and, and you know doing that, because at least with that, it's like, okay, you committed a crime, you're in jail. We're going to let you get time off your sentence if you go out in this crazy and dangerous mission. You know, you might not survive, but if you do, you'll get some time off your sentence. That You know, I get that. But then... To take someone from another Earth and say, yeah, we're kidnapping you and we're going to force you to do this. I mean, that just, I don't understand the, the thinking with that. And Because the same thing is like, would she want that to happen on this? You know, if, if she's all about justice or doing, you know, I, I, there's got to be some sense of justice, even though she, you know, she's crossing these lines. You know, she's trying to do what's best for the overall big picture. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Green Lantern issue seven. So uh, Teen Lantern, she's uh, she's going after Sinestro. You know she thinks you know Sinestro's in, involved with the, the attack. You know on Oa and everything like that. So she just goes there and she's we're seeing her like she's got a lot of power because you know she starts taking on some of Sinestro core and everything like that. So there's some um, pretty pretty nutso things that are going on there. So that's um, but then also the other thing is uh, they when they find John Stewart because you know he was stranded he was on another planet and uh, one lantern I forgot her name she she like slaps him she's like where were you you know we it's like he, he like almost died he, his ring you know he lost his power he got stranded on another alien planet and you know he had to deal with you know try to survive there so it's like. I don't know, just very dramatic and unnecessary. Crush and Lobo issue three. So Lobo is in the space prison, and uh, somehow he reached out to Crush. It's like, hey, come visit your old man. I'm, you know, turning over, trying to turn over a new leaf, and we see him going through like, uh, like prison therapy and stuff like that. And it's just like, wait, this Lobo, what is going on here? So she goes to visit him, and uh, we find out like what's really going on. You know, obviously there, there's something going in here but the thing that bothers me is the fact that she just so easily goes out into space you know she stole someone's spaceship and just knows how to but it's like she never had any involvement with that from what i recall you know she was she lived on earth her whole time and you know she knew there was something up with her dad and uh, it just it, it feels it feels like out of character and i still feel like I feel like she's gotten taller in this series than she was in Teen Titans. I don't remember her being so tall and so, you know, she wasn't this like big and muscular. I mean, she almost looks like like She-Hulk, and I don't remember her being so tall. Just it's I don't know. But she does will find she does end up in uh, quite the predicament in this issue. So we'll see what happens. Uh, DC Horror presents uh, Conjuring um, the Lover. Whoa, wait, what was the second story? Oh, okay. So I'm I'm starting to enjoy the story a little more. You know, I was a little skeptical with the first issue, and I was just like, okay, you know, we have this girl going to college, and you know, she's seeing things, and she's uh, you know, trying to figure out what's going on, and you know, she's just very stressed out and everything like that. So 
I'm I'm getting a little more into it. Uh, the the background or background the backup story has to deal with like a little mechanical monkey that you can see on the, on the cover. Um, that was okay. I it seems like I'm not enjoying the the backup story so much, and I don't know if it's just because they're shorter. Uh, the good thing is, you know, they, they kind of get to the point and just tell the story. But I don't know. I, I just feel like it's just too short. And, you know, it just I don't know. I, I just I'm ha- kind of having a, a problem with that. Nice House on the Lake issue three. It's so weird that this is only the, the third issue because it feels like it's it's been been more. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I really enjoy this. You know, this is another James Tynan, the fourth story. Uh, it's just such a bizarre situation you know all these friends um associate you know, people they're not all like super you know, they weren't all friends they're all friends with this dude walter you know from different different times in his life or whatever so so many people know each other have heard of each other you know friends of friends type of thing they all get invited to this uh nice house on the lake in wisconsin and it's just gorgeous place and but then what they discover is uh they're kind of trapped there because like the the earth the, the planet has gone to hell you know like things are on fire people are dying and everything like that it so it appears that they're the only survivors but they're stuck on this this there's like this force field surrounding this the property you know and a lot of the lake so that they they're safe there but that means all their other friends and family are dead and they're you know they're, they're trying to make sort of you know make or make sense of what can they do? And, you know, they, they do have a lot of food and supplies, but it's like, you know, how long is that going to last? And what happened to Walter? Because, you know, he just kind of disappeared in this weird, like, like whatever, uh, tornado, whatever, teleported out of there. And they're like, what is going on? What is his deal? And so it's it's just very bizarre. And, and some people are like, you know, let's just, okay, let's take the day. We'll go out in the lake and enjoy things. We'll try to figure out things out tomorrow or whatever. And, and there's one dude's like, like, he's just like, screw that. I'm going to try to map out like the, how big is this force field, the property, what's out there. And so there's just a, it's such a weird, um, I would, I, I would love to see this adapted into like a Netflix series or something like that, just to, to see it play out. And we have a justice league infinity issue two. So this is a continuation from justice league unlimited. And, um, there's stuff with, uh, um, Amazo and, um, Overman, and uh, this was okay. I I didn't love this as much as the first issue, but uh, it it is weird to see. So Overman, Overman, uh, he he's basically like Red Sun Superman, right? And so him and a uh, regular Superman they get switched. So you know they they end up in different worlds for, for some some reason, and uh, they have to make it make sense of that and adjust to that. Then uh, we have uh, wait, wasn't there? Um, oh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> looking at on the on the app, Suicide Squad get Joker issue one. So at first I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. You know, it's it's another Suicide Squad story. It's a joke. Suicide Squad and Joker. It's like really like we really need more of this stuff. But this is a black label book, and this is by Brian Azzarello and Alex Maleev, and Matt Hollingsworth does the, the colors. I really enjoyed this. I surprisingly enjoyed this more than I thought. I was I was almost going to skip this because I was like, okay, we're getting another friggin' Suicide Squad story just because the movie's coming out. And then it's like I'm I, I am enjoying the Joker series, but I feel like we've had too much Joker. You know, after Joker War and everything like that, it's just like nonstop Joker. 
So I was just very reluctant to read this, but I'm glad I did because it it was just it was really good. And uh, what what's interesting about this is they also bring in J- Jason Todd. You know, he's locked up, so he kind of gets brought into this you know su- version of Suicide Squad. And um, so it's a little different. You know, it's a little out of continuity, like you know, main regular you know comic book, you know, DC comics, whatever. You know what I'm saying. But it, you know, the characters are are still true to here. So this, it's not like, oh, yeah, we have a Suicide Squad comic going on that's out this week. Also, it, there's no connection with those characters. So it's just the idea, and and I, I, th- I think it's really good. So I recommend that. Like I said, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't think so. That that's cool. I'm actually looking forward to the next issue to see you know what what's going to happen. Okay, then at Marvel, so we had uh, issue Avengers issue forty-seven, <laughs> and uh, this is continuing the World War She-Hulk. So the Winter Guard, the the Russian Winter Guard, they kidnap She-Hulk, and um, they're trying to brainwash her. You know, put her through like the Red Room and everything like that. And uh, it's like, okay, why are you? You know, that that's kind of like a bold move. You know, they they attack the Avengers. Uh, headquarters you know the, the sentinel set, set, it's not sentinel celestial the dead celestial that they're in which is weird and um so they're, they're just trying to brainwash she-hulk and it's uh not going as easily as they thought and everything like that so the avengers are making their way to their base but they have to be careful because which is kind of dumb you know they they're trying to avoid like an international incident because if they go there if they're seen it's like they're invading Russia, but at this, even though they kidnapped a U.S. citizen. But I guess because they grabbed She-Hulk from the Avengers base, which isn't in the United States, and I, I don't know what the logistics are. So, um, yeah, and then uh, She-Hulk becomes unleashed, and uh, what's going to happen? You know, whose side is she going to be on? But it's it's uh, it's interesting when we see like uh, Captain America and Iron Man enter they go in first and they're like in stealth mode because you know i'm sure tony stark developed some stealth technology whatever for them so it's kind of neat seeing them uh work side by side and everything like that so it was a it's okay um and then she hulk does go through some changes and there is something that happens as a result of this so you have to see about that then there is a deadpool black white and blood i was not going to read this. I was like, I don't need another Deadpool, you know, anthology story or whatever, you know, like the Wolverine one, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some cool stories. The only reason I read this is, okay, the first story read all over is by Tom Taylor and Phil Noto. It's like, really? It's like, okay, you got me. So I read it. What makes it even better is uh, Honey Badger. Gabby, she's in, in the story as well. So, um, th- that was cool. The second story, impressive too. We got Ed Brisson writing and Wills Portacio doing the art. And then uh, the third story is James Stoko. Um, and you know his style is always—I don't know how to describe it, but you know it's like when you see it, you kind of know like what the vibe of the story is going to be like. And um, I can't really describe it, but uh, so it's an interesting story. So I hate that I had to read. I I like Deadpool. I just I don't need. All this nonstop Deadpool stuff going on. Um, Extreme Carnage last year came out. I did not read, and I will not read that. Um, I, I'm curious 
witnessed the birth of a new symbiote. I don't, we don't need another symbiote. But if, like, I don't know if Flash Thompson is involved with that story, but I'm, I guess I'll never know. Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Annual Number One. So this was uh, another uh, um, Infinite Destinies one. We do we do find out we do see someone else who has an Infinity Stone. So it's like finally, um, and as you can see on the cover, it's Hercules and this Prince of Power dude that we saw recently in Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't like this character. I don't care for this character. We basically get his origin, and. It's very reminiscent to like uh, Masters Universe He-Man, so it's it's almost like kind of perfect timing because Masters Universe just came out. But when you read this, I I feel like you know in some ways it's kind of like satire, like they're making fun of He-Man and like the Skeletor type character and and everything like that. So it's it's like hard to take the story seriously when it's like it's, this is just a spoof. And I even saw, I, I've been, for some reason, I've been clicking on, on Facebook on the news thing just to see like what their articles they're, they're putting there. And um, someone, I, I don't know if it was Screen Rant or someone, they're like, Marvel's uh, version of He-Man is, not, it's like, not really, you know, whatever misleading headline. But I just... I didn't, I don't know. I just, I had a problem with the story because again, if, if it's meant to be like a joke, swoof satire, I get that. But then they're also kind of making it as this is the legit story background of this character. So I'm like, what, you know, what, what are your intentions? You know, what, what's, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to accomplish? And so I, I don't know. And then uh, more of Nick Fury Jr. Um, so the thing with Nick Fury, I don't know if I, I think I didn't uh, mention it last time. So he's working with Nighthawk now. And uh, it feels like he's been brainwashed because he's like, you know, Nighthawk is talking about this perfect world and everything like that where like his dad is is still around, you know, where Nick Fury Sr. And, and stuff like that. So it's like he's kind of working with him. And this is from the recent Avengers thing, you know, where our heroes were born. And so Nighthawk wants that world back because he, he, for some reason, he still remembers that it happened. Uh, that doesn't seem like Nick Fury Jr. So again, if he's brainwashed, okay, I get it. But it's, I don't know. I just, I'm not crazy about that. Hellions issue 14. So um, I'm, I'm not super crazy with, with Hellions and all this stuff going on. So, you know, there, there's still... With uh, what's his name, Mister Sinister, and and you know when they, he went off to try to he wanted to get more, um, what Codex or whatever you know stuff about all the, the people from Ar Arkillo, and you know the then he betrayed the, the team, he had them killed or he just killed them, and then they were you know brought back and his clone survived and um, they're fighting this locust vile. I I don't know. I'm just I'm just not enjoying this so much then we have immortal hulk 49 this was a weird story there's there's a lot of prose a lot of a lot of text to read here and uh you know so we get some some cool art and everything like that but it's just it's weird when um you know a, a book does this you know so it basically it's like okay here's a scene and here's like all the stuff that happens and it just kind of goes into it and everything like that it's like okay great that's fine but it's just 
it's and this is again where it comes to it's like okay i have so many books that i need need and want to read and now i got to read like this book like a like a actual like all this text to read so on the one hand you know if you're buying a comic it's like you're getting more for your money because it's going to take you longer to read it so your enjoyment time whatever is going to be longer great but at the same time when you're looking for me it's like this is taking so long to read and so that's just a, that weird thing, whatever. Then we had a Savage Avengers issue twenty three, and um, I, I don't know. I, I it's the fact that this is issue twenty three is like the story is still going on, and uh, I, I feel like not a whole lot is going on with Cool and Goth, the, the the fight against him or whatever. But then we also see uh, Shuma Gorath, <laughs> Doctor Strange. Like we find out more about that, so that's kind of like a weird thing, but. Uh, so this was just like an okay issue for me. Okay, then there's Silk issue five, which it turns out this is a, the final issue, which is is weird. Did we know it was a five issue series? I feel like this happens sometimes when a series isn't necessarily doing so well, and then it's like, oh it, yeah, it was just a mini series, but it's like no, it wasn't. It was never billed as that. And the unfortunate thing, I have to admit, uh, this wasn't my favorite Silk story. And I, I would say a large part is the enemies, the foes she goes up against, like this cat demon thing or whatever. It just it didn't really work for me so, so much. The other character, Silvermane's daughter, that's introduced, um, she's kind of interesting. I don't like the discovery that she made last issue i mean what is that going to mean for you know the future and everything like that i don't like when when that sort of thing happens in uh comics but it's like that's it so it, it's I, I feel like maybe you know i don't know what the sales were for for this series but it's like okay we're just gonna leave it at five issues and i feel like it could have done better if it had another chance like okay what's the second story arc going to be you know who who is still going to go up against here so i don't know it's, it's too bad because I, I mean i really really like the character and um i what's next for silk i don't know i, I feel like she's kind of like she's almost she's kind of becoming like supergirl where it's like she's being underutilized but i don't know then we have sinister war issue two to, to me it didn't feel like a whole lot really happened in in this this issue you know it's just moving things forward it's uh if you're looking for action there is a lot of that here we basically see spider-man going against like almost like everyone i mean there's like so many it's not just a sinister i mean that's why it's called sinister war so there's the sinister six the sinister syndicate there's like all these people and you got kindred and it's just a big mess for for spider-man but it just i feel like that's all it really is is like all this fighting and, and everything like that so we'll, we'll see. And plus the fact, you know, it, it does bother me a little bit, the fact that this is outside Amazing Spider-Man. I don't know why that is. I think because it's so closely tied to Amazing Spider-Man. But I feel like, you know, if you're reading Amazing Spider-Man, it's like, okay, now you have to read this, even though this happens all the time. I mean, how many X-Men books do we have? And they're all like tied together practically. So I don't know what, what my, my problem is, but it just, it seems, uh, it seems a little weird, but... You have that. Then there's a Spirit of Vengeance Spirit Rider that came out. And um, I don't know where this came from or, like, where this fits in. 
It's but the, so we have a a new ghostwriter, whatever. It's like she is like no ghostwriter you've ever seen. She is Kushala, a sorcerer supreme, a spirit of vengeance, and a savior of Johnny Blaze's soul. Blaze has been through a lot lately, from sending the throne of hell to nearly murdering his former allies of, on the Avengers, but his nightmare is far from over. Something or someone is haunting him, and only a ghost writer with the powers of a sorcerer supreme can find out why. The dynamic writing, writing duo of Taboo of the Black Eyed Peas and B. Earl expand the writer mythos with an action-packed special that will kick off a brand new era of vengeance. Kushal is about to become the hottest thing in hell. So I started reading this and... I don't know. I mean, I just, I couldn't get into it. And it almost felt like that this was an out of continuity. Like, here's just another ghostwriter book. And I, I think I just need to give it a, a fair shake and just, just read it. And, and again, I'm going to blame just trying to read everything and, and everything like that. So I started reading it and I, it just seems weird. It's like, like maybe it's explained <laughs> further and maybe I have to actually read it. But the fact is like, okay, we're going to throw another spirit. of There's like, there's too many spirit of vengeances going on now. Cause I still like, I would like Robbie Ray's and you know, Johnny blaze and Dan catch. And so now we're going to get another one. I don't, I don't know. Then uh, the star Wars uh, word of bounty hunter books didn't do it, do it for me this week. We had a uh, star Wars bounty hunters book uh, with uh balance and Dengar, which again, I just, I just can't explain. There's just something about balance. I just, I just don't like. I, I, I don't know. I, he just does not appeal to me as a character. I'm trying to, to uh, like him, but it's just it's like weird cyborg dude and Star Wars universe. I, I don't know why I, I'm having such a hard time with it. Dengar, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see some development with him to see more of him and. And, you know, we're getting a, a little, you know, development here, like with his motives, you know, why is he doing what he's doing? You know, it's not just about money and you know, he's trying to save someone that, you know, close to him that's being held prisoner and so forth. But there's uh, basically they're making their way. They're like they know they're going after Boba Fett because they want to get try to get the bounty. And uh, they, they figured out, they found out about the Crimson Dawn stuff. So they want to try to infiltrate that big gala that they're doing. So it's like, okay, nothing really new in the overall story. It's not necessarily supposed to. It's giving us background information, but there's that. And then uh, Star Wars Word Bounty Hunters for LOM, which I'm still, I, I always call them Forlom, but it's for LOM. Um, for, for LOM and Zuckus. Um, I couldn't get into this story either, even though I'm I'm curious about these two as well. But it just it didn't do it for me. Um, there was a Wolverine black white oh wait black white and red treasure edition oh never mind. So this is just a reprint of all of the of the first four issues. Good. I was I was like oh I didn't even check that out. So that's good to know. But X Men number two came out, and this was was interesting because uh, there's like a. It's weird because it, it has like annihilation tie-in, and you know how I feel about the annihilation, where I totally respect it as an important story, you know, and I know a lot of people love it. I just had a hard time. I don't like Annihilus. I don't care for his character, and then the Annihilus wave and what that meant. You know, it was just there's some cool things there as I'm yawning, <laughs> but. Um, so kind of as a, a holdout from that, so, some aliens are like betting and stuff like that. They're like, let's un unleash this mini uh, 
a nihilist wave on earth type of thing. So it goes in the middle. I think it went to Kansas or somewhere. I forget what it was. So then the X-Men are like, hey, there's a threat. Let's go. Let's go, go, you know, deal with it. So it's kind of cool in a way that, you know, the X-Men go to fight this threat. And it's... At first, I was like, oh, the X-Men are going to be blamed for this. But at, at, at least because it wasn't in New York City at their base, so that's a good thing. Because with the first issue, I was like, oh, the X-Men just move in. They got this big treehouse in the city. Now there's this big attack. So everyone's going to say it was because the X-Men came there, which I'm glad they're um, not going that route. But it's you know, it's Jerry Duggan writing. So you know, obviously, I should be giving him more credit than to come up with just you know, a silly thing like that. But with this, it was um, really cool to see them in action. And, you know, like Rogue's taking a lot of like leadership stuff, which is like surprising because, you know, you have Cyclops there. But it's really cool to see, uh, you know, in the middle of things, you know, just say, hey, we got to do this. We got to do this. And, and you know, it's not like you're stepping on toes. It's just like, you know, this is what needs to be done. And um, now that with Sync, I'm, I'm really appreciating him being there um i'm or developing an appreciation for his character because i never really cared for him before and maybe it just i didn't see his value or his how he could be used like in generation x or whatever but um it's it's i i'm, I'm enjoying this so I, I i like this i thought it was a fun and i i think because it, it feels so different from the other x-men books that you know they're off krakoa and it's more like x-men fighting evil trying to save people save the world or whatever versus like all the politics and everything about you know being a nation and uh you know the the business side of it and everything so i'm i'm really enjoying it i'm, I'm really thankful for this issue and i'm also <laughs> maybe you're thankful that that is going to be comic talk for the week so we can move on okay with rick and morty season five episode seven gotron jerry's rick vangelian so this was a, a fun episode. Things really get, uh, I, I, I want to say off the rails, but I feel like I've been saying that a lot. Things really get, get. Um, there's a huge buildup and things just get, not intense, but it's just things get out of hand, I guess, as, as always. But it, I think the fact that this revolves around like a Gotron, like a Voltron type of thing, I, I really appreciated that. So I, I, I like that. I, th- I thought it was fun and everything like that. So it starts off Rick Morty and some there's like some some heavy stuff here happening too. Rick Morty and Summer are in ship. They're going to Boob World and they're singing like the there's like a Boob World theme song or something like that. And then Summer tells Morty, you know, she was unsure, but she's actually happy that he wanted her to go on this trip or whatever. But he's like sulking and he says that he didn't he didn't really want her to. He's like, talk to Rick. And Rick said that there's been protests and stuff and Boob World apparently has rebranded themselves as a female empowerment thing. Um, and if they bring a female, they get in for free. <laughs> so Summer's like, she's like, oh, am I like a, a Coke can at a Six Flags now? So like the amusement parks, you bring in a can of Coke, you get like a half off ticket or so, something like that. And Morty's like, no, he's like, because when we go into Six Flags, you can throw your can away. But then Rick gets distracted. He pulls over to this moon when he sees like a glimmer or something, whatever. And it's this Gotron ferret. And they're like, what is it? And he's like, no, it's the blue Gotron ferret. And uh, you know, like he reaches and he pulls out this like skeletal pilot, just throws him aside like there's nothing. And then he's he's like, Boob World has been canceled. Um, Morty starts starts. Uh, you know, protesting, whatever, because he's like, you know, you like, you promised, you know, you said we could do this and everything like that. And Rick's like, okay, I'm going to let you choose. He's like, I choose Boob World. He's like, no, let me talk. He's like, if we do the uh, Boob World, <laughs> you know, so 
basically he's gonna override him and he has somewhere to help him hook up the like the, the wench to the ferret whatever they're gonna like take him away and then uh she starts doing like this voice because uh morty's doing like a voiceover or whatever and she starts doing a voiceover and you know he's just mad and, and stuff like that then we see beth and jerry having dinner Rick and Summer slide and wearing like pilot suits. Uh, Rick's wearing like black. Summer's in red. And uh, Rick says that, you know, he tells them they're going to do something fun with them or whatever. There's this big monster attacking and, and their suits are in the bathroom. Then Morty comes in yellow and, uh, you know, he like takes off his boot. He's like, mine smells skeletally or something like that. And Beth asks Rick, she's like, what are you trying to involve us in now? And Morty's like, Rick, Rick has been collecting Goltron ferrets and now that he has all five, he's like, we can combine. And then Rick and Summer cut him off. They're like, spoilers, whatever. And Beth, she's like not really interested in, in going. She's like, and since it's like an alien planet's getting attacked or whatever, she's like, we don't even watch British TV. She's like, so what do we care about? Well, you know, what's going on or whatever. But then um, Rick says that they can just uh, get Gene next door and some homeless guy. And Summer says, screw Gene and screw the homeless guy. She's like, we're asking our parents to do activities with us and our grandparent. And, you know, when did that stop being a parent's wettest dream or whatever? And then Beth's like, well, since you know it started when you created an incest baby and the government launched it into space, and Summer goes off or whatever, and she basically convinces them. So they um, go team Gotron, whatever. There's like these tunnels that slide them to their separate ferrets all over the world. So they're like going all over the place. Like Jerry's takes them to the center of a volcano, I guess in Hawaii or whatever. So they all get in their ferrets, then they fly into space, and Jerry's like. He's like, did I just go all the way to Hawaii just to meet up in space right above the kitchen? And, and, you know, Rick just ignores him, whatever. Then he opens his portal and they all like go through it. So they're in their little ferrets now. And they're basically, it's like the, the lines in Voltron, the little whatever. Um, so on, on this alien planet, they get swatted away by the alien mon monster. So they have to unify. So it's Gotron time. They're all excited. When Beth asks what they do, Rick says, just hit the buttons or whatever. And, and then, um, you know, the, the buttons are too big or they're too big to fail or whatever. So they're still having fun. Rick says that he's waited, you know, so long for this. He forms this big energy sword, slices the monster in half. Then they, you know, return to Earth. They all hug each other. Morty continues his voiceover about this was uh, the good times where they felt they could do anything, but anything isn't quite everything, you know, because Rick is wanting to do more. He mentions how there are other versions of himself out there with incomplete Gotrons that would do anything to get a full set. Morty tries reeling him back, saying that, you know, he gets obsessed, whatever, but then Summer cuts him off or cuts in, saying how he just gave them the time of their lives. And just because he wants to go higher, they're trying to stop him. So she's really kissing up to Rick. And um, so Rick wants to have a barbecue and invite like the different versions of the family over. So they, they bring in five versions of the family and, uh, they come in with their incomplete Gotrons. Morty doesn't have anyone to talk to since the other Mortys went to Boob World. So he's just like left by himself. Rick is in the garage with the other Ricks um, and uh, Summer's there too. He tells Summer to give him the pitch. And she says that they're willing to help the other families complete their Gotron in exchange for some concessions. Uh, one of the Ricks, you know, there's like different versions. Hothead Rick goes off in him or whatever. And they have to take him out. And they had this like backup or whatever Rick. So basically, they go help the other families complete their ferrets um, by basically questionable means, like killing other pilots and stuff like that and stealing their ferrets. And uh, how it's going to work is if one planet gets an alert, then they all go. And then they would all go and form like a, a bigger, like giant Gotron or whatever. Morty tries talking to Summer about um, 
because he he gets relegated to the left foot, so like he his position changes, whatever. Summer is now his favorite, and he says, you know, just because Rick likes her most doesn't make her the best. Summer's continuing her voiceover, you know, because she's kind of like taken over and everything like that. Um, they evacuated one of the planets that they saved and built a secret nightclub on it. Morty says he doesn't even have his own ferret anymore. Um, Summer made him something called associate security chief. Rick is drunk and he goes up on stage. There's like this other like family that's playing like classical music. So Rick goes up there and he's talking about like uh, Summer, his little queen. She saved his life and, you know, they wouldn't have all of this without her. Morty says that, you know, his job does have its perks. Like he, you know, he got to be around when Summer got in over her head. So Rick wants to make an announcement. She doesn't think this is the right time. But he says that he has 90 extra ferrets. He only needs 10 more, and then they can all have their own go-go-go-tron or something like that. So outside, uh, the rightful owner of the ferrets pull Morty into their car at gunpoint. So these are like like regular whatever pilots. And they, they want to help... Um, they want his help to take over the operation from the inside. And he's like, no. And then you know, he like jumps out of the car because then they're like, oh, then we, you know, you're no use to us. We can kill you, whatever. He makes his way back to the club and where things are disastrous. Hothead Rick had trashed and attacked the place. Summer says that Morty was supposed to be looking out for him, whatever. And he says he just stepped away and, uh, you know, watched something like that. So he asked, you know, what have they become? Jerry and Beth are mad at him. They tell him to go back home, you know, then they give him like some money, whatever, because they're going to continue on their adventures. And he's, I guess, going to stay by himself. Summer's voiceover says how, you know, with Morty out of the way, things were looking up, but looks weren't everything or something like that. So in this huge warehouse with all the ferrets, whatever, Jerry comes up to Summer and mentions that his cockpit still isn't getting Wi-Fi. And she's like, Dad, you know, that's not what I do around. And he's like, oh, I'm not her, your dad. I'm just a version. You know, it's my first day. She gets mad and insults him. And he's like, what? Whatever. And then, he, you know, he gets mad. And then uh, she goes to Rick and she says how she knows how to speed things up, you know, because she, she threatens uh, the this other Jerry or whatever. It doesn't matter. So she tells uh, Rick she knows how to speed things up. She talks about recruiting from outside the family, and he says he's way ahead of her. So behind a door is Kendra from a temp agency. She's part of a team that has robot experience, but uh, she has she's one of the original pilots that was in the, the car with uh, Morty, which he later calls her like anime girl or something like that, just because the way she, her eyes and her teeth are like or whatever. So Jerry and Beth return home. They tell Morty that his sister fired them, so they're really angry at her. And uh, Morty's like, "Oh, you'll get over it, whatever." And Jerry's like, "Well, you know, maybe we can take her out." And like Beth's like, "I can't take out my daughter." He's like, "Well, you brought her into the world, and you know all this stuff like that." But then, then Jerry's like, "Well, we should just kill ourselves so we can get the hell first and hide by the entrance when she comes or something like that." Then Summer comes in. She says that Rick fired her, and she starts crying. So they, of course, you know, hug and console her and everything like that. She says that Morty was right. She got addicted to making Rick happy. And, uh, you know, she says that she's been sensitive about family stuff lately. And they're like, what, what? And she's like, no, I'm not pregnant. But, you know, she and Morty did bring in an incest baby that everyone keeps bringing up. And she's not sure how to tell them this, but it is still alive and she's been in contact with it. So um, we kind of see like flashbacks, you know, whatever stuff that she says a couple soldiers took her, you know, outside of school one day. And she was briefed at the Pentagon and taken to a secret base on Mars. It's like, when the heck did all this happen? So they, they captured the baby and they wanted to see if it would respond to her. And he did. 
So, but what they didn't expect was that she would respond to him. So, you know, she's got like some tears in her eyes or whatever. She, or they wanted help disciplining him so they could turn him into like the ultimate weapon. And we see her like reading to it, um, you know, but after you don't really see the baby right away. You just see like this giant eyeball, whatever, and stuff like that. She says that she taught him to love and believe in himself and said uh, until he escaped or something like that. The government doesn't want anyone to know what happened, but she says it's only a matter of time until the story gets out. And when it does, they're only going to have, you know, each other. So her parents have each other. Rick has Morty and she's the odd one out. So she says, you know, she was just trying to bring them together, but Rick replaced her with an anime girl. And now she's just left with the baby out of, you know, that's out somewhere in space. And Morty's like, what'd you just say? And she's like a lot. Weren't you listening type of thing? He's like, no, you know, the anime girl, whatever. And Morty says that they want to steal the Gotrons, that they're going to kill Rick, and he's all alone, so they have to save him. And Summer says, you know, right, or, you know, maybe just bleep Rick, you know, just forget him, whatever. So now that they have the biggest robot ever, they start attacking Rick in his, his ferret form, whatever. Um, there's a shootout in the palace. You know, Rick has this huge cockpit now. It's like this big, you know, castle or palace thing, whatever. Um, then the big baby appears and the family's on top of its head and they pull out uh, the sword, but then it attacks and, and the, you know, the baby kicks it. They swat it. Um, it makes a hole. It, you know, he, the, the baby hits uh, the big Gotron and they start getting sucked out. The, the anime girl, she's like, what's wrong with you people? You, you keep a giant incest baby in your back pocket. Morty's voiceover continues. And he's like, you know, after that, things pretty much went back to normal or some version of it. You know, Rick said the, the Gotrons were lame and, you know, little kid bull bleep. Summer says that, you know, giant space bugs were still running loose and there are no Gotrons left to fight them. Beth hits his button, puts like metal shutter, shutters all, all over the windows, you know, locks them in. And uh, Morty says, now millions die every day. Summer says, you know what they can never kill? Family. And then Beth's like, where's Jerry? Because, you know, he, he was outside with like a weed whacker or something like that. And, the you know, the giant bugs approach. So he's like, you know, knocking on a door and everything like that. Then Rick um, gets up and pulls something out of Morty's ear. And it's like some sort of bug worm. And Summer's grossed out. And she pulls one out of her ear. And then you hear Marty's voice says, just like that. I knew our goose was, goose was cooked as. And then Rick blasts him. And then he says, voice ov- ovarians. Ugh. So the voiceovers were really these two bugs, I guess, throughout the whole thing. <laughs> and then uh, during the credits, they don't do the regular Rick and Morty music. They do uh, like Boob World theme song. Like, you know, there's actually the lyrics and, you know, to sing and whatever like that. And then it, it cuts to the end scene is uh, like this training room, sort of like a, it's almost like a, you know, debriefing room, you know, military room there. It's like the alien debriefing place. One guy comes in late, whatever. So they're going out to other planets and they said that they're spreading the cure for AIDS. And, you know, so they, they, they're trying to go to different planets to, to help people. And um, they're like, it's not like the portal rips our clothes off and makes it so no one can understand them or, or does it. So basically these monsters, when they're going to different planets, they're trying to help, but then they're just perceived as monsters attacking and then they're getting killed. So they're really trying to do the right thing or a nice thing that's where the episode ends so it's a you know obviously very silly very over the top but 
that's what you expect. So it, it was fun, like I said, you know, seeing the, the Gotrons and but it, it just like I said, it just really kind of built up. <laughs> it got, got crazy, like it escalated quickly, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But that's that's what you want. So I enjoyed it. All right. Uh, Transformers War for Cybertron Kingdom. And uh, so here's the thing. When I was watching this, you know, I, I thought for some reason, I thought there was only five episodes. And <laughs> this it got to the point where, you know, even though I started enjoying it as it was progressing, you know, it is kind of a choice. Like, OK, I have to watch this. No, I can't watch some silly random movie because I what I wanted to watch was Invasion of Body Snatchers in 1978. I wanted to watch it again. I was like, I got to watch Transformers. And I get to the end of the fifth episode. I'm like, oh, wow. So it's like, OK, that's how it ends. And then it starts up. Wait, there's another one. I'm like, son of a. <laughs> so I know that's like a bad thing is. Uh, but the, here's the thing. The way the second arc ended, I feel like. I don't know. Did they like split it up more? Because I felt like when the last arc ended, when they crashed to the planet, I was like, "Oh, this is how it ends." You know, they they crash to um, you know whatever ancient Earth, you know, and then they get get stuck there, and then they're revived later today. But it's like, no, there's there's this whole other story arc, and. It's, I, I guess maybe I don't really know my Transformers history that much. You know, like I, I watched the original series when it first came out. I didn't watch it religiously. You know, I, I watched a lot of it. And uh, I don't really know a whole lot about the other incarnations and, you know, other generations and stuff like that. So with this, it seems like stuff is changing, like stuff is being rewritten. And, you know, I've seen the movie, you know, with Unicron and Unicron having such a big role here. And I'm like, wait, what's going on? How does this all fit in? And I, I don't think it's necessarily supposed to. I think that's part of the thing is that things are changing because of the events as they unfold. And, you know, maybe everyone's just like all into you know multiverse and, and different things like that. So um, I'm just going to go run through the episodes in, in case you don't feel like watching it or we're going to watch it later or you did watch it and you just want to see if you missed anything. I don't know, whatever. So it starts off the first episode. Um, it picks up from the last episode. The ship's going down. Unicron saying, you will suffer for this moment of treachery. Um, Galvatron gives Megatron this disc or, some, or maybe it was the other way around. It's like, wait, what's going on? Um, Galvatron's like shunted out into space because um, then he like he has a disc or something like that. Ultron's voice says like you cannot save yourself from me. I am in, as inevitable as destiny. And Galvatron says he'll find a way. So it's like wait, what's going on? Then we see Megatron, you know, because he, he has the Matrix he took from from Optimus. Uh, Optimus sits up. He's in pain. He asks for status report. Uh, navigation has isn't responding. They crash into one of those organic planets. So they're in this like unstable mountain. There's like rock and molten stuff like that. Ratchet tries checking on Optimus because you know he's holding his side you know, from his fight against the Megatron and all that. He says he's all right. Uh, Optimus says they survived their crash, so they should assume a Megatron and his forces have done the same. And uh, what they do with these few precious moments could determine the fate of Cybertron. So he tells Wheeljack to work on long-range sen sensors. Maybe they'll be able to locate the AllSpark. Bumblebee sees a video from outside of this cheetah, and he's like, what's that? And then um, it starts cutting out a little bit, and they see that there's like a rat chewing on a cable somewhere. It's like, where did this rat come from? Then in like a hallway, this rhino starts charging at them. 
hound transforms the the fight back and you know he's like just going up against it then this white tiger jumps on ironhide and rc jumps and like tackles it off him mirage mirage starts uh putting up like a force field to hide from a cheetah but it's not really working bumblebee starts fighting then optimus starts shooting to shoo them away this big gorilla comes in starts pounding on optimus and he gets a hit on his injured side and you know optimus is able to get in a solid punch sends a gorilla flying back in midair it transforms and it pulls out two swords and optimus pulls out an axe like where'd you get the axe from dude um the others transform too and then bumblebee's like they're like us and a gorilla shouts no we're nothing like nemesis so the gorilla is like threatening to chop off Optimus's head, and he tells um, him to tell the others to stand down. And but he keeps calling him Nemesis. And Optimus says that you know he's Optimus Prime. And the gorilla is like, "What?" And Optimus continues like, "I'm the leader of the Autobots." And the gorilla is like, "That's not possible." And he's like, "If you are who you claim to be, show me the matrix of leadership." And Optimus is like, "Oh crap!" He's like, "I don't have it." And you know he's like, "Prove you're a Prime." And Optimus falls to his knees. You know his his side is sparking. And then uh, Ratchet pulls a, the grill, you know, pushes him out of the way. So we see Megatron. He's ordering his crew to get the engines on their ship running. Um, the longer it takes, the longer Prime has advantage. He's wearing the Matrix like it's like strapped to his chest because you know he doesn't have a compartment thing for it. He wants to find Allspark. He wants to get it off planet to save Cybertron. Starscream says to send him. You know, he says he'll find an Allspark. Soundwave mentions a uh, laser beak has detected intruders, but they're not Autobots. So they go in and search. Um, there's like this big pounding, and a dinosaur appears in front of them. So Megatron smiles for, at this. Then a second one appears too. The big one's like, is it you? And he's like, Lord Megatron at last. So they bow and they transform, and then he, he has this disc. So Optimus um, groans and sits up. He says he's all right again. Um, something feels strange. Bumblebee says that here he stands up to the beast when they, they talk about trying to salvage a place. They won't give any answers. And Optimus is like, they could be allies. You know, they say that they went through a, a broken star bridge and crashed on a planet. And then they start complaining about Optimus taking the Allspark off of Cybertron and leaving them. Optimus says that he's on a mission to find the Allspark and save Cybertron because it's there on a the planet. They say that they've been trapped on a planet fighting against the Predacons. And they say that they've been there for cycles. And he's like, how is that possible? Another beast comes in and says that they have reports of Megatron. The gorilla talks about their Megatron. And the others say that it's both. Then um, he says that his name is Optimus Primal, <laughs> leader of the Maximals. So they're from the future. So Megatron finds out about the two dinosaurs are from a future where the Allspark never returns to Cybertron. So this is where... Um, multiverse and stuff could be coming in. The uh, Predacon. So this is where it's annoying. So his name is Predacon Megatron. He says that without the Allspark, Cybertron becomes nearly uninhabitable, only destroying a survived, crawling out of the ruins of the dead world, the Maximals and the Predacons. So uh, Megatron asks, why did they travel to this specific time and place? Predacon Megatron says, for you, Lord Megatron, so that I could deliver the golden disc to you. Megatron asks, he's like, what do you expect me to do with it? And they don't know where the disc came from, only that it's a relic containing the complete memoirs of Megatron. He says that he was only able to decrypt a few minutes enough to know how to retrace his steps to right there that moment. Um, it should be synced with his, like, whatever signature, and then he can listen to it, all of his strategies, all of his secrets, every battle he ever fought or should 
um, fight, well, I'll be there. Megatron, he asks, how does he know that he hasn't manipulated the data for his own benefit? Predacon Megatron says that he's living proof that Megatron was right all along. Megatron tells the other, he's like, leave, leave us. Starscream isn't happy, whatever. And he asks another, if, if, you know, they're from the future, have they heard legends of him? And this guy, he's like, no. And Starscream walks off talking, whatever. This spider is like following him as he's, he's just talking to himself. She reveals herself and he asks if, if he's one of them. And she says that she's her own bot, much like him. So she says that she has heard the legends of him. Her name is Black Arachnia. And he asks, what does she want? And she says that she wants to survive. You know, it's uh, difficult now that they know the Golden Disk's true power. The only thing worse than one Megatron is two Megatrons. (laughs) He finishes her sentence. So Optimus says that the the time-traveling Autobots mean that there is a future worth fighting for. Optimus Primal talks to his crew. They wonder if they can trust him. Optimus says that he trusts them. And then Primal says that they have to help him. Uh, Fate has allowed them to help their ancestors in their darkest hour. And it could change the future and make them cease to exist. But if they do nothing, their Megatron will make everything worse. Then Air Razor calls Primal. They're about to be attacked, um, but she's been compromised. So Laserbeak shoots her down and they, they grab her. Megatron thinks about the things that he could accomplish now. Soundwave comes in with Air Razor. Um, Predacon Megatron says, well, well, well. And then Megatron says that she will lead them to the Maximals and to the Autobots. So that's the first episode. Episode, uh, the second episode, Black Arachne is talking to Dinobot. So one of the Predacons, he says something about mutiny, whatever. Predacon Megatron comes running in with a disc. Um, it flies out of his hand and then Black Arachnia catches it. Dinobot says they have to give it back. She hands it to Predacon Megatron. Um, she took the ammo out of Dinobot's, Dinobot's gun. So Megatron's happy to see that, you know, she's apparently loyal to him, but, you know, Dinobot wasn't. So it's like, what's going on? Then in the, um, then we see, uh, and I don't know, I'm not really sure when that happened because then this must have been before. I think that was a flashback because then in the present, uh, Starscream is talking to Black Arachnia. Alarm goes off because Shockwave caught one, whatever. So Optimus Prime tells the others they should hold back on a rescue attempt. They have to get the Allspark first. Air Razor may be in danger, but it'd be worse if Megatron gets an Allspark before they do. Optimus um, finally agrees to spare some Autobots um, chosen by RC to go with the Maximals on their rescue mission. So that you know they're, they're like they have to save her, and but so they're going to split up. His focus has to be on the Allspark. Primal tells Rhinox um, to stay on board and, and help fix the ship. And then he's like, Autobots, Maximals, Maximize. <laughs> so I guess instead of roll out, they say Maximize because they're Maximals. <laughs> Predacon uh, Megatron talks to Air Razor. He's like, one down, five to go. Dinobot is still angry at Megatron and Black Arachnia. Megatron tells the other Megatron <laughs> that he has to do something about his name. Predacon Megatron says that he uses it with honor. Megatron says that uh, the disc will be helpful when he cr- crushes Optimus and Autobots. Predacon Megatron will be rewarded. And he says now he knows exactly where the Allspark is hidden and he knows what he must do to, to take it. Starscream is like listening. So he has a location and calls Black Arachnia. So they're forming their own alliance against Megatron. Rhinox is grumbling about the Autobots, ancient equipment, whatever, as they're, you know, they're trying to fix the ship. Megatron sees the Allspark, and it 
uh, tries moving away from his grasp. He dies for it, but then he has um, Optimus's head in his hands, and then he drops it. Then there's like this spiral of quicksand, and he wakes up in a chair. So he's like he's having some sort of whatever dream or thing. Um, he takes off the the matrix from his chest. He calls Soundwave and um, sees to tell the Predacon leader because he doesn't want to call him Megatron that he he says to tell him that he's moving up the timeline. Dinobot stands outside Air Razor's cell. You know he's supposed to be zapping her every few minutes or whatever, but he's only done his has done it once she tells she mentions that she's like oh you're not doing what you're supposed to be whatever and she says that she thinks something is bothering him and she's like what you know what is he's he's like why would i tell you and she's like because you want to he starts talking about their plan to save cybertron but it doesn't feel right she tries helping him um and he's like you know why are you being nice to me and she says because she wants to so um he's having second thoughts like on being bad i guess RC and the others are outside the Predacon's uh, place. Their signatures are being masked. Tigatron wants to bash in the front doors, but then they, they send Rat Trap inside instead. Astro's train is walking and runs into Dinobot. Um, it says that you know, he's supposed to be watching over the prisoner, uh, but he, you know, he took off on his own. Dinobot wants to talk to Black Arachnia. He says he heard her and Starscream plotting against Megatron. He says you know, the whole place is in the past. Everyone is a ghost. Starscream um, comes up behind him and like starts threatening him or whatever. Uh, but Dinobot says that if someone besides the Autobots and Decepticons control the Allspark, maybe they can save everyone. So he doesn't want to fight them, but he wants to go with them. Rat Trap then, you know, comes before Air Racer and, you know, uh, but the others find him. The other rescue parties are found as well. Um, Mirage with, 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 with Rat Trap and everything like that. Um, outside, the Decepticons don't want to take orders from the Predacons, so there's this little fight, and an RC, you know, says that they have to, you know, take off or whatever. Mirage poses Astro Train to try fooling the Predacons into fighting Rat Trap. Um, he tells them to open the cell door or something like that, and uh, they manage to trap the real Astro Train and the Scorpion, whatever, in in the cell. Outside, the fightings continue. Looks like they're defeated. Then uh, there's this big rumbling revving getting closer. So it's Optimus. Uh, Predacon Megatron is alone because the others run away. Then he runs. Optimus says that they may already be too late because their Megatron isn't there. So he may already know where the Allspark is. Air Razor apparently put tracers on everyone she came into contact with um, because she let herself get, get caught. And you know they didn't realize that, but that was the purpose or whatever. So she's able to track Soundwave, Megatron, Starscream, and Dinobot, and they're all in the same place. So Optimus says that that's where they need to be. So then there's this big crater, and Megatron and the others are in this little ship flying there. So that's uh, second episode. Third episode, the Allspark whooshes by and like crashes into Earth. We see you know this is the one that first got there and made this the big crater. Then we see Dinobot groaning gets up. Starscream and Black Arachnia say that they ran into serious interference when they approached the coordinates of the Allspark. Um, Air Razor flies overhead. As the others go on the ground, they're, they're looking for the Allspark. The proximity is scrambling their, their sensors. Optimus tells Bumblebee that if they fail, or if that um, Bumblebee's going to have to lead the Autobots. And uh Primal and, and Prime talk and they apologize to each other. Prime says that he recognizes fear in their eyes when they look at him. And he's like, is that why they call him Nemesis? And Primal says that 
They may be cautious, but they've survived worse than Prime and a few Autobots. Prime explains, you know, what he was trying to save. He says that Cybertron from before, uh, you know, talks talk about that before the war. Primal says that they only have bits and pieces of information. Prime says it was a golden age. It was led by heroes. You know, they're all thriving. You know, Prime was young. It was flawed, of course. Um, there was injustices, but they were working to solve them as one until him and Megatron when they had their differences. Megatron, meanwhile, was listening to the disc about how to find Allspark. He had to backtrack or whatever. Um, and he appears, he's like somewhere else. And then like zombie transformers grab him. And then he snaps back into, you know, whatever reality. And a matrix is, is glowing and like whirring or whatever. Prime says that he has another way of tracking Megatron. Um, Cause he like, he might've felt something from the matrix. So he, you know, he has a connection to it. Dinobot, Black Arachne and Starscream are still in a move. Starscream can't, um, get enough altitude for some reason he can't you know fly too high because like the the allspark is doing something to it black arachnia says that there's no way escaping whatever field the allspark has locked them inside dinobot mentions that megatron has a matrix of leadership and yet he wears it around his neck like a trophy and starscream says that's because it belongs to optimus prime uh, he's like you know the megatrons are nothing but thieves dinobot says that you know he studied the legends of the prime primes and um you know they're warrior heroes with pure sparks leaders with wisdom and honor then they see the others <laughs> this is when i first heard this i was like wait what um so they they see like uh rc and her her crew um black arachne is like ah that pink one is cute and um no no one really says anything about it but then starscream says that if they're there Megatron's, you know, his forces must be close to whatever, so they have to keep moving. Prime says that the, so it's like, wait, Black Arachnia said that RC was cute? Prime says that uh, the Matrix has been part of him for so long that they share a connection, so he's, they're like, you're guiding us with a feeling? And it's like, yeah. Then uh, the force starts glitching, Air Razor loses sight of them and then falls from the sky. Prime recovers and tries getting the others to sound off. He's, then he sees Alpha Trion, and he like turns and he leaves. Prime goes after him. RC sees Cog and she's like, it can't be. And then uh, another Trump sees like Sunstreak or sort of like getting all these weird visions like of like fallen um, Transformers in it. The Allspark sits on a this like red velvet blanket, whatever. And then Starscream says like, it's beautiful. Wait, wait, or I guess it's really just a crown. And then he's like, at last, everything I ever wanted, everything I ever deserved. So he like lifts a crown up, but he really doesn't have anything in his hand. Dinobot asks Black Arachne, he's like, what's he looking at? Because he's just like having this, you know, hallucination, whatever. She says that, you know, she doesn't know, but she's reading a huge energy spike in the area. And then, then somehow she's alone. Starscream thinks that he has a crown on and he starts cackling. Dinobot hits him in the face and says, get a hold of himself. Then he um, he grabs Black Arachne and says that the Allspark is playing tricks on, on them or something like that. Uh, Dinobot scoffs at Starscream, you know, seeing himself as a king or whatever. They start fighting. Starscream enth um, ends things by throwing him over the cliff. Dinobot uh, finds Air Razor. Um, you know, she wakes up and asks if, if he's an illusion. He says that, you know, he was wrong to follow fools. He uh, denied his Predacon heritage, but he feels uh, liberated, but things have become increasingly complicated. He says he's a warrior and she's shown him his choices are his own, but the choices he made led him nowhere. 
So if the golden disc leads Megatron to the Allspark, then no one's going to be safe. So Megatron's yelling. He's listening to the disc some more. Soundwave says that they veer too far off course. Megatron is like, silence, whatever. And then Soundwave thinks that Megatron's malfunctioning, thinks he's losing it. Dinobot makes his way to Megatron. Um, Laser Beak and I think it was Ravage try attacking him. Soundwave starts emitting uh, like sound waves that drive him back. And then the, the forest starts glitching again. Dinobot takes advantage and throws a sword at Soundwave's chest. And then Megatron arrives and starts attacking. Dinobot chomps at his arm. Um, and he says this fight is undisciplined. That's why the Matrix of Leadership rejects him. Dinobot gets in a good slash, but he says he'll destroy the burden of, of the golden disc. Then he gets chomped on by a bigger dinosaur, which is Predacon Megatron. Um, Dinobot tells Predacon Megatron that he knows why he's doing this. Um, you know, He admires him and hopes he can save him from what he becomes, but it's too late. He's already on the path of becoming, and then he gets interrupted by Megatron's ranting. He says uh, Dinobot could have been on the winning side, etc., etc. Dinobot says that at least he still has his honor. Um, he shoots like lasers out of his eyes and then the matrix goes flying and he catches it. Dinobot um, stumbles through the forest with the matrix. Um, he's like leaking fluid. He hoped that uh, he could have found all spark and end this war, but he's not pure spark or wise or heroic. So he tried to live his life. Well, he begs for help. The matrix starts glowing. Prime thinks that he's still chasing alpha Tryon. He says that, you know, he needs help. Then he sees a bright light and there's Dinobot. Uh, he says that it was all he could save. Prime walks up to him, takes a matrix and it, it grows brighter and then like shoots a, a light beam up to the sky. The others see it. His chest opens. He puts the matrix back inside. He thinks Dinobot and he falls over. Then he says, uh, remember why the matrix you know, chose you. Primal and the others arrive, Air Razor lands, they all stand around. Dinobot says, all of these cycles, you know, there were a thousand times, you know, I thought of defecting, you know, coming to you. He's like, would you have accepted me? Primal takes his hand, he's like, yes, but you would have made a terrible maximal. And then he laughs, he's like, maybe. And then he dies. And then um, Prime's chest shoots out like a, a light again. So I, I guess it's going to lead them to the Allspark. So that's the end of the third episode. Fourth episode, Prime takes off, leaves the others behind. Sideswipe says, uh, you know, forget their orders. They should be going after him because, you know, he says, you know, stay there or whatever. The Maximals ask, what is, you know, the Allspark, whatever. RC says it's their life force, and without it, they're they're nothing. Uh, one says that, you know, there is no Allspark in the future or whatever, and then RC tries explaining the importance of it. So Primal followed. Optimus is uh, standing outside a structure. Actually, I think Primal followed, or maybe he's somewhere else. Um, then this Transformer comes out you know, from the, the structure, and he's like, Alita. So Alita was his girlfriend, whatever, that died. Uh, Starscream figures, that's that. You know, Prime has a Matrix. He's probably found an Allspark. There's nothing left for them but to crawl back to camp and beg for Megatron's mercy. Black Arachne says there is another option. She knows something of history and of, of Starscream. You know, he always waited for someone else to take Megatron off the board. So when they were unsuccessful, he was too. And, you know, no one's going to hand him his crown. If he wants it, he's going to have to take it. And he's like, hmm, the hard way. So she's like, no, for a ghost, this is the easy way. And then a gun appears like in the center of the web. You know, she's make, been making this big web, whatever. And uh, Starscream is now invisible. So it's like, wait, how did that happen? There's like, he, they took something or whatever. Predacon Megatron is like listening to them behind some trees so he he knows what they're up to 
Uh, Prime walks forward. Elite is like, that's close enough. And she starts mimicking him. <laughs> and then Prime says that, uh, you know, she is now Alita One. You know, she is Allspark, or, or she's not Alita One. She's Allspark. Um, he's come to bring it to Cybertron, and he has to do it before Megatron arrives. Alita says that only he who bears a matrix can enter. And Prime says that he has it. And then Prime gets zapped back. Then Alita changes into Ultra Magnus and says Allspark must be protected from my nemesis. And then he starts floating and he fires at, at Prime. Prime leaps up and is like punches the force field that Ultra Magnus made up so they're fighting. Primal um, sees a glowing Dinobot and he walks up to him. He starts uh, talking to the Allspark, whatever. He says that most of the others think that he's a god. Uh, maybe it does belong in Cybertron. And if so, they have to stop creating illusions, you know, from getting in their way and letting them do their job. He says that, you know, he doesn't know why he's talking to an illusion. Then it's, he, he, it says, I am no illusion. So it's like, wait, what's going on with Dinobot? Did he die? Megatron stands before Ultra Magnus and he says, only he who bears a matrix will be seen. Megatron charges and it disappears and reappears behind him. Predacon Megatron runs up to warn him. He tells him to save it, that the disc already told him exactly what happens next. And then he turns around and he shoots a cloaked Starscream. So he knew Starscream was going to come and try to attack him. Prime is still fighting. Prime's like, I'm not the enemy. I'm, you know, and it, But it says that he is his nemesis. And he's like, I am Prime. And then Ultra Magnus says that he must return to Cybertron before it's too late. It says that, you know, so many lost. Prime asks, does, you know, he's like, do you mean lost sparks? You know, those that have yet to return to him. Ultra Magnus says that he needs them. Prime's like, no. He's like, they need need him or whatever. So their existence is symbiotic. The Allspark needs them as much as they need it. It's dying because of Prime. Um, so he's like, you know, please let me help. And it lowers um, to, to the ground, turns back into Lita and falls into his arm. Primal um, follows the, the holo, the whatever, the illusion Dinobot, you know, and then uh, it's not really clear at this point, you know, is that Dinobot spear or whatever? You know, is it going to join Allspark? Dinobot says that everything the Autobots and Decepticons have said is true, that they have to fight for it before it's too late. Black Arachne comes up to Starscream and asks, she's like, how? You were cloaked. And Starscream mutters that he knew exactly where he'd be. When he came to, Megatron was gone along with Shockwave's cloaking device. So that's how he, he turned invisible. She picks up um, some of the spilled liquid and um, and puts in this little vial, whatever. Uh, Megatron attacked while he was cloaked or whatever. So he, he took the cloak thing and, and took off. So now Megatron has a cloaking device. Star Starscream says that he's gone insane. That, you know, if they had a disc, they could stop him. And she holds up the, the liquid that she took. And she's like, it can only be read with his unique signature. Prime wonders um, how this could be that, you know, the, the Allspark hasn't been off Cybertron long enough to bring about this level of injury. It slash the leader, whatever, mentions a dead universe. Um, she somehow passed through it before exiting the space bridge. And it says that, you know, she's seen the dead multiverse. So this is like where, wait, what is going on here? This is where things are a little confusing. Um, Prime says that, you know, she's just overwhelmed by the infinite data from across space and time. Then Prime calls Rhinox, says that he needs to wipe the dead universe data or something like that. Um, he puts a code into Alita. The Matrix glows. The door to the structure opens and he goes in. But the cloaked Megatron follows. 
So inside, Megatron reveals himself and says that it's over. So Primal is trying to kick open the door to help Prime. And uh, Megatron admits that it's a coward's weapon, but he demands the Matrix. You know, uh, being cloaked it was being it was a coward's way to do it, whatever. Prime says it'll reject him and you, because it already has. Megatron says that the disc told him what will happen starting with uh, Prime dropping his weapon. Prime says that it was brought to him to his younger self because this is where he lost the Allspark. And Megatron's like, no. He's like, this is where he lost the war, something I will never do. He says he can use the Allspark to reshape Cybertron in his image. Outside, Starscream and Black Arachnia come up to Primal, and then Predacon Megatron comes up accusing him of working with his worst enemies. They start fighting. Um, Primal and Predacon Megatron fight. Then RC and the others come and start shooting. Dinobot Spirit goes into Primal, and you know he's able to walk through the wall into the structure. He sees Pr- Prime and Megatron fighting. Uh, he, he changes and attacks Megatron. Prime is knocked out. Then he's somewhere um, else. Alita comes up and takes his hand. She says that they don't have much time. There is something that she needs him to do. He's not going to like it, but it's the only way. He has to lose. It's the only way to stop the fighting. So lay down his arm and surrender to Megatron. And Prime's like, you are correct. I do not like it. Alita says that you know he can't win everything until he loses everything. He says he doesn't understand. And she's like, you will. I have faith in you. So Prime is back. He tells Primal to stand down. He says the fighting must stop. Um, he's like, take the Matrix and then the Allspark. May it have mercy on you. Megatron grabs it, runs up some stairs, opens the door. There's like cheering, and then the Matrix turns red and starts melting. He starts melting into the floor. Then there's like this big boom. Another door opens. Alita's like, quickly now. So Prime and Primal enter. The Matrix floats back to Prime and goes back in his chest. So Lita's there. She's like, let's go home. There's a bunch of sparks floating, giving their life to the Allspark so the Allspark may live or whatever. Primal says, Maximals and Predacons together. And Prime says, till all are one. The Allspark's in his hand, and there's this huge explosion of light. The structure's gone. The disc lies in the ground, and Prime floats in the sky. Okay, episode five, on the ship, Wheeljack says the engines have been recalibrated. He wants to start the ship. Ratch is concerned. Bumblebee says that Prime has it all sparked. They need to leave this rock. Um, it doesn't work, so they got to figure something out. The others see Prime with the all spark, and he says that they haven't saved it yet. It's dying. They have to take it back to Cybertron. Megatron and Predacon Megatron demand that he hands it over. Starscream is watching Megatron. Black Arachne is hacking the disc with his Energon, whatever. Um, Starscream is angry that she took the Energon when he was attacked because you know it's it's like she set him up, like um, you know she took advantage of the fact that you know Starscream was getting attacked or whatever. But uh, he blasts her and he takes the disc from her. Then he starts listening to it. Megatron says that if only he could go back, if only they worked together, then he like screams out or something like that. Unicron is facing him. Megatron's trying to defy him and then begs for mercy. Unicron says that he'll make him a new body. And then Starscream's like, Megatron is Galvatron? Then Starscream hears Unicron calling his name. He's like, I know you're there. I know everything. Now listen carefully. Black Arachnia says that she heard about him, that he was a coward, backstabbing coward, and will never rule anything. And then Starscream ignores this. He says that they have to go you know, right now. Prime and the others return to the ship. He tells Bumblebee that the Allspark is dying, do whatever's necessary to get them off the planet now. Bumblebee starts uh, getting a message from Starscream. 
Starscream is like stuttering. He's like everything that they've been through as a species. And he holds out the disc. He's like, what if it was all by design? Black Arachne walks walks up and Bumblebee's like, what's wrong with him? And she's like, he doesn't or she says she doesn't know. He's been acting crazy since he listened to the disc. And um, he's he's like, I'm not crazy, whatever. They don't have much time. He's like, he can see us. And they're like, who? And he's like, the one who did this to us. Starscream says that, you know, he's not strong enough. But Bumblebee and the others, him and the Autobot and the future belongs to more capable hands. So he gives him the disc, but then Bumblebee shatters it. He's like, no. He's like, you know, the future is already here. They have to face it head on. So there's a big vibration. There's a huge ship in the sky. It's the Nemesis. Megatron, the, both Megatrons are on board. They start shooting at the, the ship that the Autobots and them are on. The shields are at 60%. Prime calls them, tells them to stop because the Allspark's there. Megatron says it'll survive, but it'll bury them on a planet. Primal says that um, he'll take a strike team to distract them so they can escape. Prime says that you know he's not willing to sacrifice them, but Primal says, but I am. So Black Arachnia says that, you know, get her on a ship and she can get control and they can all live. You know, she says she can hack into this other ship. So they fly up, they bust in, they, and they start attacking them. Air Razor drops off Black Arachnia at another part of the Nemesis. And she's like, if I even see a hint that you're going to betray us, I'll tear off all eight of your legs. And then Black Arachnia, she's like, careful, I like it rough. Because Air Razor is a girl, by the way, is a girl predator maximal or whatever so black arachnia obviously likes she's a lesbian transformer uh primal is fighting predacon megatron he's like this is what you've resorted to fighting a servant of galvatron um predacon megatron says that he won't ever exist because he saved megatron primal says that he's just using him as soon as he's a problem he'll kill him predacon megatron says you know why would he ever be a problem for lord megatron Megatron um, gets into the fight, tells Soundwave to keep firing, you know, the, the big ship. Uh, he gets stabbed by Rhinox, and then he throws him aside. Um, they're still trying to get the ship working. The Allspark opens up. On the Nemesis, it looks like everyone's down. Predacon Megatron gets in Primal's face about thinking that he could defeat the Fury of two Megatrons. One more blast um, should take, take, take him out. Fire at will. Soundwave says that the weapons are down suddenly because Black Arachne was able to hack in. Megatron says, uh, lower the boarding ramp. He's like, I'm a weapon. So he's going to shoot at the ship himself. The shields are at 9%. Prime um, says, Autobots, abandon ship. Starscream flies up and pushes Megatron so he can't fire. Then he tells Megatron that he has to stop. Megatron grabs him and holds him over to the lava. Starscream uh, talks about what he said about going back and working together. Then he says, didn't anyone tell you? You are Galvatron. Megatron's like, no. Starscream says it's true. He was born into servitude. He says that he, Unicron, said that he was weak and couldn't do anything, that he was wrong. He's like, I can fly or whatever. So he pushes away, transforms, knocks Megatron off the ramp. And then he falls into like a giant hand. It's like, what? In the dust and smoke, there's a giant humongous transformer starts pushing the nemesis away. They ask, what is it? And Primal's like, it's a miracle. It punches the nemesis. Um, Black Arachnia falls off the ship. Air Razor flies down and saves her. And then Black Arachnia says, my hero, and gives her a little kiss. And Air Razor's like surprised by this. Giant, the giant transformer is Teletron. 
uh, the, the big arc that they were in, whatever. It says hello to Wheeljack. And it's like, our time in the dead universe gave me a vision of multiple futures, which included schematics for this transformation. It says, I knew at this point in time, I would have to become what I am now. Thus, I dedicated dedicated all power reserves to the necessary modifications. Still, I lacked. And then the AllSpark gave it a booster. So Megatron is alive and, and Teletrans hand. Prime says, then it's over. Then Prime says, prepare for takeoff. Uh, he tells Primal he's in his debt. Without the Maximals, Megatron would have surely destroyed them. Primal says, without Prime, he never would have had a chance to take his crew home. But Prime says, it won't be the same Cybertron he's from. And Primal's like, I know. He's like, we're orphans out of time. Rhinox says they may vanish at any moment. But if they don't, he'd like to see the Cybertron that Prime brings. Prime says that he wants to as well. You know, it'll take some work, but they'll have to rebuild. Primal says, then we will rebuild together as one. Then he says, Prime, I should warn you about Nemesis. And Prime's like, later when we have more time. Right now, the AllSpark needs us. So Teletran 1, so of course, for Cybertron. Then Starscream starts screaming, no, no, no. He's like, we have to stop the ship. We can't go back to Cybertron. That's what he wants. And they go through a portal. And again, this is where I thought it was over. I was like, okay, that's where it's going to end. But no. The last episode, ship exits uh, a portal, goes through another one. There's a space bridge or whatever. They're about to jump again. And Starscream's like, they're, they're coming. They know exactly where we are. But they're all ignoring him. They're about to exit the portal. And then they're like in a, I don't know if they're in a dead universe. Because this purple cloud is in front of them. It takes over. They crash on a dead planet. They exit. The Matrix shines a beam. So maybe they weren't in a dead universe, whatever. Um, Prime tells them to, to salvage whatever they can. They have to find out if anyone's still there. So I, I, well, I was like, wait, are they on Cybertron or the dead universe? So I think they're on Cybertron at this point. Prime says that it's his responsibility. So he transforms. He drives off. Somehow, Bumblebee's up in front of Prime. And he, and he transforms. And he yells at, he's like, I told you to salvage what could and say with the others. And Bumblebee's like, those were scrap orders, and you know what, Prime. He's like, the Alpha Trigon protocols may be gone, but they still chose me to bring you balance. And he's like, and driving off in this night alone with the AllSpark because of guilt or ego or whatever is not balanced. It's foolish. Now let me do my job and help you carry it away. Prime says that he couldn't um, bring himself to say it in front of the others. He's like, the home that they knew is gone. He's like, and it's it's his fault. Bumblebee says that, you know, maybe it is. He's like, I don't care. He's like, you know our friends and family want to help um, fix it. Prime sees a, a dead transformer hand under some dust, whatever. And it's Alita. So it's like, that's kind of convenient. Prime says that, you know, he took the all spark. He provoked their enemies. He's like, this is, this is a cost. Bumblebee says that he's sorry, but they need to go. Time is running out. Otherwise Alita's sacrifice will mean nothing. So in the prison Sass's um, field, they somehow they get freed. Galvatron says that they can't have Megatron um, tired or something like that before the big finale. Um, there's a big crater separating. There's like a big uh, crevice trench or whatever separating them from entering the, where the AllSpark is supposed to be. Bumblebee says that it looks like it was done fast and recently. So like, who has this power to you know blast you know this whatever this hole? Um, Prime says um, his future self, Nemesis Prime. And then we see a darkened version of him walk up on the other side of the trench. So Megatron says to Galvatron, um, so is it true you are me? Uh, he's like, once, but that was long ago. 
then he says that he's from a, a powerful being, blah, 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 Unicron and all this. Then he says that if he even looks at the Allspark, he'll feel pain. But Megatron isn't under control yet, so they can work together to stop him. Once Unicron s- sees what they're doing, it's over, so they have to move quickly. He says his associate is working nearby and has the Allspark in his sights, so it's Nemesis Prime. Prime says that Nemesis Prime is a monster he's destined to be one day, um, that he's going to become this. Bumblebee says that he's like, you can never become that. And he's like, yeah, there I stand. So, you know, how is he there now? Prime says that the past and the future are converging at this moment, all because of his foolish actions. So it's like, how is this happening? He wants to all spark. Um, If he's Prime, they know that he will not give up until he has it. Nemesis jumps up in the air, sees Bumblebee, starts shooting, and Prime shoots back at him. Primal notices that Megatron is missing. Megatron and Galvatron start attacking the others outside. The Primes fight while Bumblebee climbs down the trench. Nemesis is like, give it to me. Um, he says that he's like, I don't have it. And he keeps like kicking him and stuff like that. Prime asks Mega- if Megatron did this to him. Nemesis said Megatron was weak. He's like, he died only to be reborn like me. Prime says that you, um, Unicron is a myth. Nemesis says that he must be vanquished with the power of the Allspark. And Nemesis asks again, where is it? Bumblebee, meanwhile, reached the bottom of the trench. So he has the Allspark. And there's like there happens to be like this secret door down there in the bottom of the trench. I don't know how he knew that. Uh, the Primes continue fighting. Um, so he's he's got the upper hand, but then he gets clipped. Megatron and Galvatron have arrived. Prime says, uh, he's like, new friends, Megatron. Galvatron says, it's Galvatron now, whatever. Prime says, I wasn't talking to you. He's like, oh, but you were, because they're the same. Prime says that they went through too much and traveled too far to just hand it over. Galvatron asks, he's like, how do you think that they got there? They were waiting for him um, to drag him from the dead universe where him and Allspark were to perish. Galvatron says that they come from a future where the Allspark no longer exists. They are um, the result of Prime ripping it from Cybertron and it uh, failing and him failing to bring it back. Prime says, then let them complete their mission. Once the Allspark is returned, Cybertron will be restored and they will have changed the future. Nemesis says, in this timeline, but not in mine. So again, all these weird timeline things. Uh, the only hope is... That he has for better futures to kill Unicron, Primal arrives and says that it's true. They live under the threat of Unicron and his lackeys, Galvatron and Nemesis Prime. So he says that they're not returning to that world. Um, they're here to defend it. All of us, everyone is behind him. Starscream's like, This is what I tried to tell you, Megatron. We have to take a stand. Prime says that if they take the Allspark to their world, then to those who are left and, and will surely die. Star, Starscream says, um, Decide with his enemies to do the right thing. Galvatron says, uh, save his vocalizer. You know, Megatron always makes the right choice. And then there's a click. Megatron raises his gun behind Galvatron. He's like, he's right. You don't decide my fate. I decide yours. Galvatron says, changing timelines doesn't make you immune to Unicron. He'll come for you too. And Megatron says, and while I'd rather die than serve, I may just surrender to him, if only to make myself the author of Galvatron's misery. Then Nemesis Nemesis shoots Megatron. Galvatron starts shooting at the others, so it's another big fight. 
Bumblebee, everyone's like switching allegiance and herself. And um, Bumblebee is trying to get the door to open. Uh, light scans him, then a door it finally lets him in. So a light starts forming above the structure. Then um, sparks of the fallen, I guess, start coming. Megatron's like impossible. Bumblebee runs and places the Allspark above this platform thing. Um, it goes out and it turns into a sphere. So it's like, is it too late? Galvatron and Nemesis uh, charge the Sparks. So, but then there's like, wait, did they just get disintegrated? Alita, the Alita Spark comes up to Prime. He's like, forgive me, it was my fault. She puts her hand to his face and says that it was the only choice. And it was one that no one else could make. She's like, thank you. I will always love you. And then she floats up. And all the sparks join together above the structure. The The temple thing starts shaking. There's thunder. But then the skies clear up. A bumblebee looks up and sees a light. Everyone's cheering outside. There's a big tribute to Prime and Megatron, like this big statue. You're like standing back to back. It's like, when do they have the time to make this? Who made this? Um, he says it's a fitting tribute, but there's still a lot of healing to do. Uh, so the war may be over, but Galvatron and Nemesis have shown them that the fight for the future has only just begun. To all are one. He raises his hand to Megatron, but then Megatron just turns his back. So he's like, where will you go? And Megatron's like, it's a larger world today, large enough to sustain them all for now. So Starscream says that you know, he still hears him, he still hears Unicron. Even without the disc, he's displeased. Black Arachnia says that they'll be ready. Then Unicron says, awaken, awaken. So Galvatron and Nemesis are floating out in space. And he's like, once again, I've saved your miserable lives. Using a dead universe to move through time was a foolish risk. Nevertheless, but it has given me ideas. They start changing. And he's like, I shall be king again. And then that's where it ends. I don't know what that ending means. Because <laughs> um, um, I, th I think this is it. It's over. Maybe we'll get more. I mean... I, I kind of wouldn't mind more to see like what the heck is going to happen now since I feel like this is all rewritten. I still don't understand how how like Optim how, how they're like they have their how is Optimus Prime as a truck? Cuz you know that he didn't he have like a different form and then when he awoken in like the present day earth then he they scanned nearby and he scanned a, a truck and then turned into a truck. So I don't understand how this is all going. So I, I think are we are they just like rewriting everything and we're just looking at this as just its own history? If so, fine, that's great. But um, I'm 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 curious as to where this is going to go next. So so there you go. Uh, that was a uh, Transformers uh, War for Cybertron. Um, like I said, I don't even know. I don't know if it's been announced. I, I mean, I, maybe I'm just living under a rock, and I, I don't know. Or maybe that that's the end of it, that they're, they're just leaving it at, at that. So there you go. Um, and like I said, you know, I, I did like it as it went by, but it's just like trying to watch like six episodes, like all, you know, as, as fast as I can. That's, that's my problem, not yours. Okay, uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch, Season 1, Episode 15, Return to Kamino. So Hunter's being taken... Crosshair talks to him, but he's like, where are we going? And he's like not telling him. Uh, Crosshair figures that the squad will come for him, even though, um, you know, he, they're like, they don't know it's a trap. And he figures that they're still going to come for him. Omega's stressing out because uh, the repairs for the ship are taking too long. Wrecker says that, you know, uh, they left Gregor with Sid, even though, you know, she's not super crazy about it. Um, Tech sees that Hunter's communication device has suddenly become active and that he's no longer in Daro. 
So Crosshair's shuttle arrives at Camino. There's lots of Imperial ships like above the planet, everything like that. Rampart sees that it's just Hunter and asks where is the rest of them. And Crosshair says that they'll come and they'll intercept them upon arrival. Another trooper tells Rampart that she doesn't trust any of them. And Rampart just says, you know, to keep an eye on them. Tech says that, you know, activating the comm was intentional, that the Empire wants them to go to Camino. Omega gives them the coordinates to this other landing pad that they can use because Echo says, you know, to be swarming with troopers. And she's like, not this one. And she's just kind of like weird about it. It's like a bumpy ride down, you know, through the storm and everything like that. And uh, Tech tells Omega that there's nothing at the coordinates that she gave. And Omega's like, you just have to go lower. And they're like, almost like they're like, they're about to go underwater, you know, as they go any lower. So apparently going just above the surface is the water activates a platform. So this big structure like comes up. But then um, Tech's like, well, how will we get all the way over to the city? Because you can see it like in the distance. Omega says they can use a tube system. Um, and then they, they this like thing kind of close up. They're sort of like in a sphere and it goes like through this like tube, like underwater. And uh, as they ride through the tube, Tech mentions that the transport isn't documented in any of the schematics. And Omega says that the tube leads to Nalisei's private research lab. So Nalisei was the, the one good researcher that it seemed like. Um, as Hunter is taken down the hall, he asks Crosshair, where's all the regs? And Crosshair, he's like, when did you start caring about them? And Hunter comments that uh, there's no Kaminoans either. And he figures that the facility is being decommissioned. And he's like, Crosshair should be concerned because the Empire will be phasing out clones next. And then another trooper tells Crosshair the ship was detected um, entering the planet or whatever, but it got lost in her scanners. Crosshair's like, don't bother telling the scouts. He's like, they'll come to us. So they arrive at Nala Say's lab, and it's it's like pretty empty. Wrecker, he's like, what's so special about this lab? And Omega's like, this is where I was created. And she's like, and your mutations were enhanced in this room too. She's like, experimental unit 99 began here. So Echo noticed something isn't right. All the files in the central system have been wiped. This little droid comes out, and Omega recognizes. She calls it Azzy, um, A-Z-I. And uh, it comes out. It's happy to see Omega because it's hiding because soldiers were deactivating all the other droids and forcing key medical personnel onto transports. But it says that it wasn't the clones that were was doing it. It was other soldiers. The clones were reassigned and transferred off world. So with the exception of CT-9904, which is Crosshair. So as he tells Omega that's not safe there, Tech says he's pinpointed where Hunter is. Hunter tries talking to Crosshair about what the Empire is doing. Um, he's like, I've seen what they're, you know, their work. They're occupying planets and silencing you know, anyone standing against them. He's like, you know it's not right. Crosshair is like, you still don't see the bigger picture. He's like, but you will. Hunter's like, they're using you and your inhibitor chip. Then an alert goes off, but unauthorized entry on a platform. So the clones, they get, they can see the Hunter's being moved. They make their way. They're directly below him. They're like, he's in the training room above. So they figure they go up through a, a lift rather than through the front door because that's where they'll be expecting them. Uh, um, but then when they go up there, they were wrong. So the crosshairs like, waiting for them. And there's like other soldiers there with weapons on them crosshair asks he's like where's your little sidekick and Rucker's like oh you thought we'd bring her and crosshair's like it's like lying isn't your strong so he knows he's lying and he tells the soldiers they go find her and then uh uh they manage to send a signal to omega because it's like if if something goes wrong then you need to head to the ship and get out of here 
So as he's like, that's the signal. We need to leave. And Omega's like, no, it's like something's wrong. We have to help them. So Omega looks at where they're at and she gets an idea. She opens a side door and there's like, like compartments, like these sliding things with like battle droids in there. Hunter um, asks if this is Crosshair's plan to bring them there and kill them. And he's like, no, because if you wanted them dead, they'd already be dead. And he said it would be justified after, you know, all the stuff that they did, you know, and for what? For the Republic? Hunter says that, you know, they're loyal to each other, not some empire. But Crosshair says, but you weren't loyal to me. He says that he's like, I was one of you in case you've forgotten. He's like, I haven't. He's like, that's why I'm going to give you what you never gave me a chance. So a trooper comes up uh, upon Omega and surprises her. The trooper calls up to, to Crosshair. Crosshair says, put her on a shuttle off world. Um, and Crosshair says that, you know, they've been putting her in danger. And, you know, he tells Hunter, stop acting like he's something he's not. He's like, they're not like the rags. They're superior. The Empire is looking for strength. And he's like, think of all that they could do together. Um, he takes off Hunter's binds and he tells them that they were brothers once. He's like, they can be again. And Hunter's like, why should we trust you? And Crosshair raises his gun and he tells the soldiers to stand down. One of the four soldiers is like, negative, commander. So Crosshair shoots, the blast ricochets because they're like in this little square thing, whatever. It takes out all four soldiers. And then uh, he takes off his helmet. He's like, does that answer your question? So then uh, the soldier with Omega gets knocked out by Azzy because he opens up one of the, the sliding battle droid door things, whatever. He's like, I did it, whatever. Crosshair um, says that they're all meant for more than just drifting through the galaxy. So it's time to stop running. He's like, join the Empire, and they'll have purpose again. Hunter's like, you really don't get, you know, who we are. And Crosshair's like, don't make the same mistake twice. Don't become my enemy. And Hunter's like, Crosshair, we never were. Then alert goes off. Big cannons pop up in the, in the training room, and then battle droids start descending upon them. Riker asks Tech, he's like, why'd you do this? And Tech's like, I didn't do this. So Omega and, and Azzy are watching, and Azzy's like, you may have activated too many battle droids. And she's like, I see that. Hunter and Omega are um, fighting each other hand to hand, and then uh, they're they're trying to shoot the droids too. Crosshair joins in against uh, the droids. Another soldier comes in, and starts getting shot at. So then she like shuts the door. She alerts Rampart that Crosshair has lost control of the situation. Rampart's like, just let the clones die together. So Crosshair had a, a few chances to shoot Hunter throughout, but he's actually helping him by taking out the droids that are you know close by. So it's still not clear. It's like, can they trust? Crosshair or not. Rampart, meanwhile, reports to Tarkin, the holo Tarkin. He says the facility's been cleared, all the science is secured, blah, blah, blah. So then he's like, very good. He's like, you may fire when ready. So big star destroyer is like heading towards the city where they're at. The clones are still shooting the droids. Um, it's finally clear. Hunter points his gun at Crosshair and he tells him to forget the Empire. He's like, this isn't you. This is your inhibitor chip. He's like, we can help you. Then Crosshair is like, wrong. He's like, I had my chip removed a long time ago. And they're all like surprised. He's like, since when? And Crosshair's like, does it matter? He's like, this is who I am. And then he goes to raise his rifle, but Hunter zaps him first. So he like, he stuns him, shoots him with a stun bolt. Omega runs up to Hunter, hugs him. He apologizes because he promised she'd never have to come back here. And she's like, you know, he would do the same for her. Um, Hunter kneels. It looks like Crosshair's head, where I guess the scar must have been where the chip would have been taken out. Then Tech says that three Venators are descending on the city. So I guess that's a class of Star Destroyers. I don't know. They need to leave now. Hunter takes Crosshair's rifle and, and, and pack and it tells Rucker to grab him. He's coming with them. 
they start running through the facility. Um, there's we see lots of scenes like it's it's kind of sad in a way you know a lot of like empty rooms like the big uh like cafeteria room where all the clones were and everything like that everything's like empty and then uh the ships out in space are in position rampart says open fire starts shooting the place is just getting like totally destroyed so uh i guess that's why we never really see like camino in uh the you know original trilogy or anything like that because i guess there's nothing left there Everything has just been obliterated. So um, that was it. That's the end of the episode. It's directed by Dave Filani. And we have one more episode left in the season. So we'll see if, if they're able to get out of this. Or, or maybe they're all dead here. And then uh, season two is just going to be like Ghosts of the Clones or something. Okay, next I want to talk about Major Grom Plague Doctor. So this is a, a Russian movie based off a, a comic book series with this, the same name and uh i really enjoyed it so it's on netflix major ground plague doctor before you watch it you should watch the there's a, a short on youtube it's like a 30 minute short it's like 28 minutes so it's just so uh if you search major grom uh it's put out by bubble comics so uh, you'll you'll find different like when I did a search I, I found like these other videos and some are reactions and trailers and like that. So just look for I like looking at like the official videos whatever. So if you look for Major Grom, uh, it's, it's and again it should be like 28, 30 minutes or whatever from Bubble Comics. That's I think that's the the channel also. And uh, the the short was actually made as kind of like a test to see if they could get funding for the movie the the short i i really like the short i th i think the i like the short a little more because it just it cuts right to the action just gets right to it so the short is, is this like bank robbery scene and there, there's like these uh you know tracksuit mafia dudes in there and they have these like big like masks on these big, the big huge like cartoon masks and apparently um the the masks are this from this of some other russian comic whatever but they, they're all kind of different and it just it really looks cool because it, it kind of adds to the whole mysteriousness or whatever the scene or whatever so all these people are you know these robbers and are with, with guns and stuff like that and then it turns out that major grom he's like this police like kind of like a super cop you know he's just a regular dude but, you know, he's super dedicated to fighting the bad guys or whatever. And it turns out that he's in the bank as well. So he wants to stop the bank robbers and everything. And one of the things that's, that's kind of neat is it, it, it kind of runs through like he's like, okay, what can I do? I'm going to go do this. And then he gets shot. And then he's like dead. He's like in a, his funeral in his casket. So he's like, no, no, no. So then he, he's basically running through the different scenarios. Like It's like, okay, if I do this, I go here. I take this, you know, and stuff like that. And then uh, it just it turns into this big chase like outside the city and everything like that. So the the short was really cool. And then um, the reason you want to watch the short before this because at the end of the short it kind of sets up the Plague Doctor movie. And then uh, so the Plague Doctor basically um, the movie kind of kind of picks up. I don't know if it's directly from um, the short because we see uh, Major Grom. He's chasing some bank robbers again in, in their red tracksuits. But it's, it's, it's almost like this, the, the scene is a little different. So I don't know, whatever. They just kind of do this. And then it, it, it goes from there. Uh, 
we see this this guy who is like on trial. Um, he gets off. He's this rich kid and everything like that. So basically, it's kind of talking about the the injustice, whatever the injusticeness, the injustices of the system or something like that. And then uh, it turns out that this uh, plague doctor he basically wants to right the wrong and you know he's going to go after this dude and everything like that at the same time the, the way he gets his message out is this rich dude who uh <laughs> reminds me of like a like a russian jesse eisenberg because he has like long hair it's a little reddish hair but he kind of looks just like jesse eisenberg and you know like the lex luther uh eisenberg and uh he he developed this like tech this like new like communication system that it's like one-way encryption, and I don't even know what that means. If it's like, if it even makes sense, but basically, you can um, have access to anything because it's like you know, you can go to any website, even the ones that are you know locked out or you're locked from or you know whatever you know government controlling stuff like that. And uh, so basically, when the plague doctor starts building up his following, he's able to put like these live streams or messages like that, and then the police can't track them because the guy you know made this technology available so that you'd have complete freedom so he even though he made it he has no way apparently to control this which is kind of a problem so it's like is this a good thing or is this a bad thing because he when he's giving his, his spiel at this thing he's he's talking about you know you can watch any any movie any any listen to any music and it, so it almost sounds like you're stealing everything but he's he says it's all legal so i don't know how all, all that works maybe i don't know so with this uh, plague doctor out, you know, people are, are in, in the streets, are, they're starting to, um, you know, because he has this mask and, you know, so people are like kind of imitating and, and all, everything like that. So, the, the, you know, the police are trying to stop him. The, the thing with, with uh, uh, Major Grom, he keeps uh, pushing the boundaries of stuff and, and like it's like every day. He's like about to get fired because the other cops at the station, you know, that they, they when he gets called into the office, they they place bets as to whether he's going to get fired or not and stuff like that because he you know he keeps doing things on his own terms and everything like that. So this other inspector dude from the higher up, whatever in the city capital or somewhere, he gets called in to take over the investigation against the plague doctor, and it's you know it goes from there. So it's a. It's it's really well done. Um, I I do have to say that I wasn't super crazy about the English dub because you know as as I've mentioned, I tend to watch uh, most things with the closed captioning on because sometimes you catch things that um, that you might might miss normally or you know sometimes it reveals information like you know characters' names or spelling or language being spoken or you know other things like that or if someone says something off off screen you know a lot of times who's saying it so i i, I tend to watch things with with the the captioning on so like when i watched the the youtube short i you know i just saw it, shot it to my tv and watched it on the big screen which was was nice and then uh but it was like russian audio and then you know you just read the english subtitles so with the netflix you know it defaulted to english dub and some of the voices it it didn't sound right and and i don't know you know how the rest were maybe it was just like the one character that just didn't sound quite right one of the i think it was like one of the 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 bank robber dudes so i was just like I don't know if I can do that. And, you know, I, I know that's a whole other thing where some people are like, you know, you just listen to the original language, read the subtitles. So I, I switched it back to the Russian audio and just, you know, read the whole thing. 
And I, I, I kind of prefer it like that. So I don't know how to write. I mean, maybe the rest is fine, you know, if, if you don't like reading, you know, as you watch. And and it is sometimes, you know, you have to make sure you're, you're constantly, re- you know, reading or you, you might miss out on something. So, you know, you have that. But the whole, I mean, it was, it was a pretty good production and everything, I'd have, have to say. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, there are like a couple after credit scenes. So, you know, one does open up the potential to a sequel and I would love for there to be a sequel. Apparently a sequel hasn't been announced, but it also hasn't been stated that the franchise is over. So there is a possibility. Apparently it wasn't super successful at the box office or at the Russian box office or whatever. You know, it didn't quite make up the money, but it um, it has been, according to Wikipedia, it has been successful or it's been popular on Netflix and Kinopoisk HD. So I don't know if that's some other streaming thing or something like that. So it says that um, the film failed at the box office collecting 328 million rubles in the CIS with a budget of 640 million rubles. So... I guess it didn't quite do so well, but I don't know. But then I'm looking. So yeah, I guess the box office was 640. It did 317 million, 4.4 million worldwide. I don't know. I mean, we're talking different types of money now. So there is there. Um, and what what I like about the story with the plague doctors, there's even kind of like like a twist. You know, obviously, you know, having a twist. I, I feel like you have to be um, you have to execute it properly. You can't have a twist just to have a twist because then sometimes it just feels like it's a like an easy way out or whatever. So there is kind of a twist in the story, and I don't want to say much more much more than that. I didn't really see it coming, so I thought that was uh, kind of clever. It, once you see it, what it, what it is, it's is it the most original concept or whatever? No, but it still it was cool because you know you don't see it coming. So I I really liked how they did that. And um, so overall, I would say check it out. It's on Netflix, but like I said, you really should watch the short first. That'll really give you a feel for like the character and everything like that. And just um, it like I said, it's it's pretty cool. So just go to YouTube. Search uh, Major Grom, G-R-O-M, and again, look for like the, the 28, 30-minute, whatever one from Bubble Comics. And then if once you just watch it and you say, this is pretty cool, check out the, the Plague Doctor movie on Netflix. And uh, Which is a surprise because, you know, I, someone uh, mentioned this to me, like, oh, you should watch this or whatever. And it was interesting because, you know, sometimes – when I have the Netflix running, if I, you know, get distracted on my phone or something like that, and like kind of like the screensaver thing comes up, I did notice that Major Grom popped up there. So I don't know if I'm just late to to the, because this came out in April, April 1st in, in Russia, and I don't know when it first came to Netflix, if it's been on there for a while, and, and maybe other people have watched this and I'm just, you know, late to the show or whatever, but if you've watched it or haven't watched it yet, you should. Um, it, I mean, if you have watched it, watch it again or whatever. But it, it's it's pretty entertaining. So I, I'm glad I, I got a chance to watch it. And, and I, I, I think you would enjoy it. Okay. I just want to talk uh, briefly about Val. So Val is a documentary about Val Kilmer. And uh, it's a basically a story of his life and his career. And it's basically told through, like, all this footage. So he was basically... 
huge on, on documenting everything. Because, like, one of the things that he says is, you know, I was, like, one of the first people that had, a, like, a, a video camera growing up or whatever. So he would just film lots of stuff. Like, you know, him and his brothers would do, like, you know, home movies and, you know, make their own movies and stuff like that. And we see a lot of stuff, like, when he was, you know, going to school at Juilliard and um, just, like, other stuff, like, on the set of Top Gun and, you know, just different things. Like, So there's a lot of cool behind-the-scenes stuff and, you know, stuff with other other people and everything. But it's really the story about him. And when you first hear about it, it's like, wow, that's kind of egotistical, you know, someone making a movie about themselves and everything like that. But there's a, a little more to it than that. You know, I don't know, you may or may not know, but uh, Val Kilmer had uh, throat cancer. And so he's um, still healing with it. And it's uh, this is where it gets kind of hard, hard to see. So, you know, when he's like starting to lose his voice that made him want to tell his story. So, you know, cause like when you see him a lot of time, you know, he's, he's wearing a scarf around his neck and he's got a little thing on there and, and you know, a little, uh, basically like a, a, a tube in his neck. And in order to talk, he has to like covered a hole so he can talk and everything like that. And his voice, it's like, you can barely understand or like there's some words you can't understand. And you know, it, it just, it doesn't even sound like him. So it's it's kind of heartbreaking in a way when you look at the the stuff that this guy's done, you know, his career and everything like that, and now where he's at. And uh, the the movie is like narrated. It's like his words, but it's his son Jack that's like narrating the the story. There there's it it gets kind of real, where you know you just you feel really bad, and and there's times where you just see how he's trying to deal with everything and. Um, I, I feel like, you know, talking to some people about, about Val Kilmer, you know, I, 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 I think he's great. You know, I, I have always been a fan of his, I know some people think that he's a little arrogant or he's kind of a jerk or this or that. And you, you kind of get a, a better sense for him. You know, you see what he, um, what happened. I mean, there's like a tragedy in the family when, when he, you know, he was going to the Juilliard or whatever. I won't, you know, you may already know the story. I'm not going to, you know, spoil things. But he he kind of was a perfectionist. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I don't know if that kind of gave him the reputation of being difficult. Some people say, you know, he's a difficult actor. But it's like, no, he, you know, he kind of wanted things done the right way. And, you know, like you see a lot of it, like on the island of Dr. Moreau. I mean, that that movie obviously you know had had some different you know major problems you know different aspects of it and you know there's like one part where like the the director was you know he had threatened that he was going to leave you know he was going to stop or whatever like that and so Val Kilmer as he's you know having a meeting or whatever he's got his camera running and, and he's telling him like you know to please turn the camera off he's like no he's like I want to witness and he's like you know you said some things Basically, you know, by him threatening to leave the production, you know, stop doing it, that's getting in a way, you know, Val can't be creative if he's worrying about what the, you know, is what the director may or may not do or what he said. And, and so, I mean, it's it's just, it, it's, it's a bad situation, you know, at, at that. But just like seeing everything and, you know, there there's a scene, you know, he, he talks about how like now he's, you know, paying or getting paid to do like con appearances and you know getting paid for autographs and all that and at, at the beginning you know he was he was kind of against it like doing appearances and stuff like that for a fee but he kind of realizes is that 
it allows him to meet his fans. And, and, and you know, the thing is, he's kind of limited with the work that he can do now. So it's like, he, you know, unfortunately, he, you know, he needs to take some, you know, some money for that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, uh, you want to meet someone. Yeah, you're if you're willing to pay, you're willing to pay. You know, it's, it's your choice. No one's forcing you. So I, I think that's totally fine. But we see him at, at like a, a, a con. I, I don't know. If, I forget where it was at. But you know he's he's doing these signings and um, you know you just see all the people like with their demand you know can you make this out you could be my wingman and you know this and that and and uh, at one point he he's just he's just exhausted because you know he's fighting cancer you know or he's recovering and um, I don't know the extent of where he's at with it you know they don't really go into that um, too 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 fully but like at one point he was just like. He's and and you see him. He's like, I I need to light. First, he's like, I I need something to eat, and then so you know they, they try stopping the line, you know, for a bit, and you know to give him a break, and then he like he you know he's he goes sits, sits on this couch, and then he like throws up. So it's just like, so they have to like take him into this other part so he can lay down or whatever, and you know they're pushing him in a wheelchair and they have like a blanket over him so you know they can push him through the convention center and people don't you know hassle him and so but there's other scenes where you just see him and you can just see how tired he is and and you know just this fight and so it's it's really sad to, to see that and um but like i said you know i i think it will kind of open your eyes to understand him a little more and you know just seeing what he you know he puts into the roles and everything and like you know what he wants to do and and everything like that and just you know you know he talks about his divorce and you know his kids and so it was it was a really good movie and you know you can watch it on Amazon Prime it uh it apparently played at the the Cannes Film Festival um, back in July. So it's worth checking out, you know, if you've ever liked any of his movies. And, you know, obviously, you know, I, I love The Doors, his performance in that, and and just, you know, Willow and just, like, Heat. And so it's 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 really cool to see, especially, like, all the, you know, the back. Like, he went to – he did a, a play – at at Juilliard and uh Sean Penn and Kevin Bacon were in the same one and you know he talks about how that was and and how you know he was supposed to have the lead role and then he got pushed to second and third and so it's 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 a good look at who he is and you know lets you know you know a, a little better about like what makes him who he is and and you know, why it, was he the way he was and you know he's not necessarily a difficult actor it's just you know things I totally agree. I I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, you want things done a certain way. That's fine. So you should check it out if, if you're interested in anything that he's done. It, it, it will kind of open your eyes a little bit. All right. Now the movie feature is The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. So I have to say I, I really enjoyed this. I, I watched it twice now since it, it came out. So I, I did go see it in the theater because I was like, well, a movie like this, I need to see it on a big screen. And, uh, you know, even though it's on HBO Max and I could watch it at home for quote unquote free or whatever with my subscription, I was like, I, I got to see it in, in a big screen. And I'm glad I did because it, it's just really, I mean, it, it was really good on, on a big screen. And then, uh, th- so I saw it Thursday night and then Friday, um, I was just like, hmm, I was like, uh, why don't I just watch it again? So I, I, I ended up watching it again at, at home and, it, it 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 was just a lot of fun. Uh, I liked it way more than I, I thought I, I would. Um, you know, I got to say James Gunn did a gr- great job, and there's a lot of unexpected things. You know, we're introduced to so many characters at the beginning, 
And, uh, um, spoiler, a lot of characters get killed, like, like right off the bat. And uh, I mean, not like the first couple of minutes, but pretty, pretty close to the beginning of the movie. And, uh, it's it's just kind of odd in a way where you know we're introduced to all these characters and we see all this stuff and then all of a sudden psh, they're they're gone. I think that that's a that's a good good move in a way because that's what you would expect. You know, if if you look, I was thinking back to like the first Suicide Squad, and you know we we do see someone get killed right away, and it's just like who is this? Car-? It's like what you know there is no we hardly even seen this. I don't, can't even tell you the character's name, uh, but I I think they did a great job with, with doing this and, and making it a little more unexpected. And, and that's what the team is about. You know, they, they go on these crazy dangerous missions and um, it's, it's pretty clear. They might, you know, there's a big risk. There's a big indication. They may not make it back, but that's, that's the point of it. So I, I like the fact that they, they just cast these, these, all these actors and then people just get getting wiped out. Um, you you can see there's a spoiler. There's there's a couple different squats. So that this is why when you see the trailers, you're seeing certain ones more than other characters. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it just means that this is where you know part of this story is is veering off. And obviously, you know they don't want to give too much away in the trailers and all that. But you know you, you get this to see these different characters. So with um. Without getting in, into details about you know the the whole thing, um, it was great to see. Uh, I mean, Margot Robbie as as Harley Quinn. I feel like she is now, you know, someone who owns that character. Kind of how, you know, even though I think Hugh Jackman is too tall, you know, he was Wolverine. And when eventually, you know, if he ever gets recast, if they ever decide to start bringing you know Wolverine into movies again, it's going to be a little weird to to see someone else as him. But I feel like, you know, she just she is Harley Quinn, and it would there's no way you could bring someone else in as, as Harley, you know, any anytime soon. She just does such a great job, and what I, what I like, I feel like um, James. Gun was was kind of respectful to the character and to Margot Robbie because like one of the things I, I read is um like some of Harley's tattoos are, are different. Uh, one of the things that you may notice, you know, I didn't really pay attention that that much in the beginning, but on her face it said rotten, like on her jaw or something like that, and I, I guess that kind of bothered Margot Robbie. And I mean, I I'm not a big fan of all all the tattoos are all over. You know, it's, I just don't really care for it. So um, they they got rid of that, which that's fine. I don't care if they explain it. I don't care if it's supposed to be laser surgery. I don't care if it was just retconned out. I mean, I'm totally fine with it. And you know, just some other things where you know you you feel like Harley has grown as as a character. She's still hilarious. Like there's there's one scene at the beginning when they're on on, on the beach on this you know trying to get onto this island or whatever, but. I mean, she's just great. And the one scene that you see in a trailer where at first it's like, why are there all these flowers or something behind her? And and you see the part where she's holding. I I, I like this. I, I actually drew a picture of it. So you can see it on my Instagram, Gmail from heck. And uh, this, this scene when she's just shooting, you know, with the guns and just going. And it was, it's probably, like, I don't know if I would say it's my favorite scene for the movie, but it was just so well done. And it, it just... It, it, it like the scene just builds up and gets better and better and better. 
so she's just great in 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 this and uh you know i really enjoyed birds of prey but seeing her here was she was just great and this just shows us that there is like so much to this character that you know it's like if you have the right story i mean you can tell great you you know you can make great movies with her with uh, Harley and Margot. Um, I, I think, you know, as much as Margot Robbie likes the character, I think she says that she kind of needs a break from, from from doing her, which is understandable. It's unfortunate. But, you know, hopefully we'll see her again soon, you know, sooner rather than later. But, I mean, so she was just fun. I'm, I'm glad that she was part of it. Uh, Rick Flagg being back here. Um, I'm, I'm glad that, that Joel Kinnaman was back. And... I, I I really liked him more in this movie as as well than than the first movie. You know, I feel like he gets a chance to to do a little more and kind of do the right thing and and everything. And whereas the first movie, he was not necessarily a jerk, but you know, he was in the position. You know, that's he had to do what he had to do. So he he was good here. And then um, apparently, which I I didn't hear, I didn't know about this. I mean, I totally missed it. But Peacemaker, so John Cena, I'm not the biggest John Cena fan, but uh, he was was great as as Peacemaker. Apparently, Dave Batista was um, James Gunn's first choice, but then uh, Batista's head was was doing a Army of the Dead, so he you know, there's a conflict or whatever. But John Cena is just, just great, and uh, him and it, it just Alba as a uh, Bloodsport, they kind of have like this rivalry because they, they kind of have the same sort sort of um, origin or power set, you know, where they can make anything into a weapon. So there's like this this competition with each other, and they're just hilarious. Like it just Alba was was great, you know, because he doesn't want to do this, and you know, so just his his performance and his little. Um, comments and like you know like stuff that he says under his breath i mean it's it was just just really really great up and you know there there's a lot of the talk about how originally he was recast as deadshot because will smith couldn't will smith was i think not able to return because again scheduling conflicts or whatever but idris elba said he's like, he's like no it's like i was never intended to be a replacement, you know, to be Deadshot. You know, he was always going to be another character. One other thing I read is that they weren't sure who he was going to be. You know, they they weren't really sure like what character, but they they had the character's motives and and actions in mind, and then they they finally came up with with uh, with who he was. You know, Bloodsport and everything. Um, let's see who else? I mean, even like. I have to say, like I, I really like Ratcatcher too, uh, Polka Dot Man. They they were great. It was cool seeing Captain Boomerang again. You know, I wasn't expecting him. Um, King Shark obviously is is great. Uh, you know, when I when I saw him, I was like, okay, whatever. And I know we've seen King Shark on the Flash, but this is like so different, and he's great. And uh, the fact that it's Sylvester Stallone doing the voice, I mean. He is, he is great. Viola Davis is uh, amazing. As, I, all I'm talking about is I'm just gushing about the movie. She's great as Amanda Waller. And, man, she's just so hardcore. And it, it's it's hard to figure out who she is, like her character, because she's just so despicable. But, again, you know, she's – her motives, you know, she's trying to do what's best for the mission, for the, the plan, for the world. But – you know, uh, if as you see in the trailer, she's kind of threatening Bloodsport. You know, with the, the with his daughter, she gets in trouble, 
And, you know, is she really willing to, you know, risk his daughter just to get her way? And, you know, I, I think she, you know, she's just willing to make the hard choices. I don't, so that this is the thing is like, is Amanda Waller a bad person? Is she evil? You know, she's using these criminals as cannon fodder, but, you know, they are a criminal. Um, yes, they should have rights, but, you know, if they're so despicable, you know, it's, it's, it's such a gray area you know, such, and, you know, maybe it's like, no, you shouldn't, you know, it doesn't matter what they've done. They still have rights, but, you know, for the sake of the movie and everything, uh, it, it's just, it's also kind of, kind of surprising is like how many metas there are. There are so many metas, you know, they're all locked up in this prison. And, uh, so it, it just makes you think, it was like, well, what, what does that mean for the, the bigger world that we're trying to say here? You know, is this still in the same DC, you know, whatever, movie universe or is it something different and that was a uh, the interesting thing with uh with this this movie you know they, they told james gunn that he could basically do what he wanted with the characters with the franchise you know he could take whatever he wanted from the first movie or he could ignore whatever he wanted and so i think james gunn basically you know he's not necessarily even though it's, it's kind of a reboot but it's kind of not a reboot it's not necessarily erasing things that happened before but it's not a direct sequel from before even though it kind of is but it's not so it's, it's it's a weird thing so i i liked his approach to it where you know he's not insulting anything that happened before but he's just saying you know this is where we're going you know obviously having captain boomerang having harley having uh, amanda having flag you know having all them together there is that continuity even though things are a little different so um i i, I think that's all all all, all good to just the way it's approached and I'm totally fine with no Joker here because I know I think in the beginning when they're first talking about a sequel, they want to have Joker. I'm fine with it. We don't need Joker. I love Joker. Well, I don't love the Joker. I think Joker is, is a great villain, is a great character. Wasn't super crazy with the Jared Leto with that approach and all that, but whatever. I just feel like we don't need Joker all the time. You know, that there's plenty of other things to do. You know, I, I didn't mention like, you know, Peter Capaldi, his character, you know, he added a lot. Taika Waititi had a, had a little role, which is, is kind of crazy. And, you know, so there, there's Michael Rooker, his character. Um, I, I feel like that there's like so much that could be done here that, you know, we I'm glad we didn't have the Joker as part of the story because, again, you don't need that. And it's, you know, there is one aspect where, he's, again, we see Harley growing, evolving as a character, which, again, I, I think is really important. Um, so I, I just thought that was great. And then the other thing, we have friggin' Starro. I never thought, I never imagined we would have Starro in a live action movie. I just never thought, you know, Starro is a is a historically important, significant character. You know, in the original Justice League, Star was it? Wait, wasn't it Starro that was attacking? And uh, that's what brought the Justice League together. Although I'm now where I'm hesitating because I remember there's that that story where they got like turned into trees. And maybe, but that was like, I think not, that wasn't the first issue. It was kind of like a flashback. Like maybe that was the secret first. I, I don't know. Anyways, because, you know, you see that that classic cover. So, you know, Starro is an important character in uh, comic history. And, you know, I'm, I'm if I remember correctly, you know, Starro's been in Just League Unlimited. I think it was in Brave and the Bold. You know, so we've seen Starro, but I just never thought we would see him live action. And 
And they did a good job, you know, whatever CG and all that stuff. It, it, it was great seeing the, the little starfish, you know, flying around and slapping onto people's faces. And I mean, it's just, it's pretty, <laughs> it was something. So it, it's, it's just a really good movie. It, it, you know, it, is it perfect? Is it, is it the best superhero movie? You know, whatever it's, it's just it's so much fun. It, there's a lot of action. There's a, a lot of violence. You know, it's there's a reason it's rated R. Um, there's cursing. There's a a minor moment of uh, I guess there's there's some nudity, um, male and female. Um, just super super duper quick. Like hardly anything. Like you don't really. It's just super fast. Not necessary in my opinion, but whatever. You know, it, it's just there because it can be. I guess. So it was just fun, and you know, like one of the scenes, uh, I'm, I'm I almost forgot about. So I'm glad I, I kept saying it's like I want to want to see this, or I want to mention it. There's there's one part where you know as they're preparing their mission, they're, they're basically trying to uh, meet up with Peter Capaldi's character. They're trying to find him, you know, because he he goes to this this club or whatever. So they they go there, and and you know as as they're waiting for him to appear. They start having, you know, uh, Peacemaker wants to have a drink. He, and Bloodsport's like, oh, we, we were on a mission, whatever. And so you, you kind of get this little moment of them sort of like bonding together, you know, because they don't like each other or whatever. But seeing them bonding and then some of them dancing and everything, it was just like such a nice scene. It's like as cheesy, whatever as it may sound. It was a nice scene. And it just it shows them, you know, bonding, getting to know each other, even though they don't want anything to do with each other. So I, th- I think that's really important. And it, it did add more to the, to the movie and just the, the characters growing. So it was, I mean, and that, that I think that's why I was willing and able to watch it again the next night, you know, because... I, I did start to care about them and, and you know and like them or whatever and and it's you know it's, it's a funny movie and um with a peacemaker <laughs> oh man uh this the things he'll do for peace you know this he'll eat a bunch of stuff on the beach if it means peace and uh, <laughs> just the comments but anyways uh with peacemaker you know so you know he's getting his own HBO Max series, and I'm at first I'm like, why? Because you know, again, nothing against John Cena, but I'm just like, do we? Re- I'm I'm glad that we're gonna see him because he was hilarious, and uh, you know there was still still the big question because I, I think uh, James Gunn kind of put it out there is like, just because he's getting a series doesn't mean he survives the movie because you know it could be a prequel. If he survives, it could be after. And uh, you'll have to watch the movie and and whether that gives you any answers or not. But I'm I'm kind of glad to, to see more. Uh, part of me selfishly is like I I kind of hope we see some other characters. Um, there is one thing that Peacemaker does in the movie that I don't like, but that's the point of why he did and everything like that. So it's a. Uh, it's just just re- really really uh, fun movie and and just the fact like we could have polka dot man It's like polka dot man and why would anyone pick polka dot man and that's that's the kind of the point where you know he's used and I I don't know if I would say he's cool but you know his powers look look cool and everything like that and I'll just you know, find out who he is and um we even, there's even a cameo like calendar man weasel just. Uh, so you should definitely see the movie if you can i recommend you see it in a theater but 
obviously, you know, that is your choice. You know, things, even though, you know, people are getting vaccinated, there's still a lot of people who aren't vaccinated. And even if you're vaccinated, it doesn't mean you're safe because obviously, you know, you could still with the Delta variant and mutations and, you know, it's, it's still, still nuts. So if you are feeling safe, if you, if you feel your theater is doing a good job and, you know, if, if you're vaccinated, I would suggest trying to see it in a theater if you can. Um, otherwise, you know, if, if you have to watch it at home, you know, there, there's that option if you have HBO Max, but it's definitely worth watching. And again, it's only going to be on HBO Max for 30 days and then it leaves and then, you know, eventually it will come back. But, you know, it's only going to be that first 30 days on, on HBO Max until it goes to, you know, on demand or whatever, rentals and, and stuff like that. So th- this was a good movie. And, and like I said, it's I I'm really glad that it happened. And, um, you know, with, with Guardians Galaxy 2, I feel like I need to watch that movie again. But I, I feel like I didn't love the movie. And I think part of it is because of what happened with Ego and as I'm still trying to accept that, but I, I know I should watch it again. But I have to say, James Gunn did a, did a great job here, and and everyone did a great job. I, I love all the performances, and you know, I didn't think I'd care about Ratcatcher too, but you know, I, I liked her character and um, King Shark, and oh man, so that uh, I, is there anything more for me to say? I feel like I've just kind of rushed through why I like the movie so much, but. I mean, the, the story in itself, I haven't really touched on the story. It, it's it's a it's a decent story, like why they have their mission and what they're trying to do and the things that happen. And uh, um, there's lots of great action scenes. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else before. Because I, I, I know what's going to happen is like after I'm done recording, I'm going to be like, oh, man, I wanted to talk about this this part or whatever. But I without, you know, getting into specifics, um. I think I've said pretty much everything I wanted to say. So, um, yeah, just watch the movie. I mean, it's it's definitely worth worth it. And on that note, so I, I think this might be a slightly shorter episode, but it looks like, you know, we're, we're hitting the, like the three-hour mark. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big and awesome supporters. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, we're currently talking about Vision Quest from 1989 in the pages of West Coast Avengers, written and drawn by John Byrne. So it's really cool and fun stuff. Um, I think this week we're going to see the we're kind of taking a slight detour with the main vision storyline, but uh, we're going to see the Great Lake Avengers. So if, if you're curious about them, it's the only reason they're there is because of the Hawkeye story, you know, his part of whatever. But uh, you can find out if you listen, if you support the show. And if there's anything like you have other ideas for the secret podcast that you would like for me to talk about something else, I'm totally open for that. You know, I, yeah, so just let me know. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also go to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. So um, this coming week, uh, like I said, there's going to be a lot. Oh, I think Titans also starts up this week. I think that's on, on the 12th. Um, the movie feature is going to be Free Guy. So we're going to have Stargirl starting. We're going to have What If starting. We're going to have Titans. A lot of stuff. So it's crazy because usually August, there's there's not much. 
so you know we're, we're gonna have all all that and everything so um there's crazy times in august which is is good um I, I get there's I can't complain if I have too much to talk about rather than have nothing to talk about. So um, that and I, I guess that's gonna be it for this week. I think the CW shows. Are, I'm, I'm now I'm starting like oh man I got all the stuff to do. Got school starting up soon. <sighs> man. So uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> I hope um, if you are going back to school or any anything or I hope you are enjoying the last bits of your summer. If you are not in school, if you have a regular job, I hope you are finding some time to enjoy the summer, whether it's weekends or days off or anything like that. Um, if you don't have a job and you're looking, I hope you find one if you're looking for one. But uh, just make sure, you know, take some time. Just and try to find something that you enjoy. Do something fun. Um, take care of yourself. But as I always say, you know, make sure you remember, be good to each other. 